I should know this because I just edited the other episode the other day, and I should know this. Uh, um, oh, Heather, A through Z. Um, let's go with R. R. Uh, uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard's out of jail. She's been an inspiration for an SVU episode. She's got a TV movie and she's got a, uh, a documentary. You know, she's been all over the place. She out of jail now for killing her mother. How long was she in for? Uh, four years, I think. Okay. You know, because there's extenuating circumstances. Right. If you don't know the story, uh, Gypsy Rose's mom was uh, somebody that had Munchausen's by proxy and was poisoning the fuck out of her daughter to have her be sick with all sorts of maladies and afflictions and then also was exploiting the fuck out of her for money. Little girl found it out. Got her online boyfriend to kill her mom. That's in a nutshell. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. It's an incredibly complicated and just all around morally fucked situation. But yeah, it's a thing. I mean, it's one of those situations to me that is so fucking complicated. I don't know if I want to take a hard stance either way. I don't know if I want to take a hard stance of, yes, she should be out of jail. Because I actually see the argument for self-defense. Her mother was poisoning her. At any point, her mother could have gone too far and killed her. So there is an element to a self-defense argument in that scenario. And also just an in general, like, you know, you're being fucking tortured by this person. But then also, you know, her mom did have an actual mental illness. You know, so I don't advocate killing people because they're mentally ill. It's a, you yeah. know, a very complex situation. I mean, I guess my biggest thing at this point is I hope that she's getting the help she needs. You know, like just in general, I mean, she just realized her life was being taken away from her and then went to jail. That's all kinds of psychologically fucked. So I hope she's getting the help she needs also, or at least also recognizes that she still would need help. I hope she also was getting help in prison. Like I just, you know, at this point, I mean, I guess what's done is done. She's out of jail. Like, okay. So now to me, the best course of action is just, making sure this young woman is getting the help she needs. So there's not a continual cycle of trauma from not, you know, getting the mental help from the, what I can only assume would be massive amounts of PTSD and mother issues. So that's really the yeah. only thing I got on that. No, I think that that's a good way to um, at least that was a good way to end it, because 
that's what I think about too is like, I mean, okay, she's out of jail and everything. And I see a lot of people online showing support and being like, oh, look, Gypsy is is out. You go Gypsy and stuff like that. And I get some of that support because it feels like if you know the story and after seeing everything play out, it seems like the right thing to do would just be like happy for in a sense that she's out of jail and just free from that situation. But it's like you said, but I mean, the mental trauma still though, and those battles that you would have to fight still, you just feel like that would be an everyday thing. And even though, yes, she did what she did to, she was defending herself and trying to survive in that situation. It's still your mom. It's still your family. It's still death. It's still you going to jail. It's still, there's still so much wrapped up into that. So you, you just wonder how does a person handle that mentally and just hope that, uh, that, that she can handle those things. Cause sometimes it's not just as simple as, like you said, kill the problem or killing the person harming you. And that's the end of it. I feel like in the movies, it feels that way. Like, okay, we handled the problem. Everything's over. But how often do we even talk about in movies? Wouldn't this kid kind of be screwed up? I mean, his dad killed his mom and then all this stuff happened. And, you know, you get, when you get that happy ending in a movie, sometimes you're like, but wait, aren't there other things that this person and other hurdles this person will have to go through? So, yeah, I think sometimes, too, like people on social media just she's out of jail. So therefore, everything's OK. Not necessarily the case. You know, as you pointed out, I don't know what you're talking about, Justin. I watched the movie Silent Night when he killed the drug dealer at the end of the movie. He was happy and just let his life expire. I don't know what you're talking about. If the movies have taught me anything. Once you get that revenge, you're good. Yeah. To be fair, Justin didn't see that movie. So, <laughs> hey, I don't know. He might have watched it over the holidays. Nah, son. I didn't get it. I didn't get to. So you're telling me you did not go on Christmas Day and watch the movie based on your favorite Christmas song? (laughs) My favorite Christmas song? I'm just assuming. I only know about three of them, so. You know all the songs. You know Silver Bells. You know. Actually, I'd completely forgotten Silver Bells as a song. Silver Bells. I remember. Uh. Rudolph, Silent Night, and the abomination that is Little Drummer Boy. Oh, I love that one. And what about Frosty the Snowman? I forgot that existed. How? It's very easy. I don't listen to any of that shit. What's wrong with you? I am Scrooge Incarnate. I am Scrooge that whenever the ghosts came, I slapped them in their little bitch ghost faces and told them to get the fuck out. I got some Christmas to ruin. 
But it's not polite to pretend like you don't know about Frosted Snowman. I know about it. I, I mean, that's forgot not about etiquette. it. Those are two that's totally not. different things. I just forgot it existed. That's not American etiquette to act like you forgot about some Frosty. Justin. I mean, come on, man. Isn't it not a good thing that I don't have American etiquette? American etiquette is not always the <laughs> best in most circumstances. That's true, but we talked about Frosty the Snowman. I don't give you a know? fuck. But he had two eyes made out of coal. Okay. Fucker's blind. But there was magic in the hat that they found. And when they placed it on his head, he began to jump around. I don't feel like that's the actual lyrics of the song. It's close enough. Jump around like Cypress Hill. You also could have told me. You could have lied to me and said, no, those are the lyrics that I would have been like, that's possible too. I don't know the the lyrics to all of it. I know Frosty the Snowman uh, was made of snow or something like that. Is that not one of the lines? Well, yeah, it's Frosty <laughs> the Snowman, so yeah, it implies that. No, but I'm just saying, isn't the, isn't the line right after that, like, his fleece was made of snow or some shit? Like, <laughs> I don't think they repeat he's made of snow, Sterling. It's pretty obvious that. His fleece was made of snow. Are you, are you mixing Frosty it up with Mary Had a Little Way? <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mary, yeah, his fleece, yeah, her fleece was white as snow. Yeah, you're thinking about that. Yeah, but I'm saying that, like, wasn't his fleece made out of that little baby lamb? <laughs> man you know that's not right this is and a brand about, new christmas song and what about here comes santa Justin. claus here comes santa claus you know that song too i do i know you know them you, okay. Feliz Navidad. you know that too Justin. don't you Feliz Navidad. you know the songs darling i do you know them dog that does not mean i remember they exist because i do not think about christmas songs ever outside just, of what i hear say, them i go Bah humbug, and I put in my AirPods and don't listen to them. You don't even kind of just when you hear Feliz Navidad, you don't even just kind of kind of like. Yeah, I said I can't tell you the fucking last time I heard that. You don't even kind of just go, oh, I don't like this, and turn the channel. You know, but I know when you first hear it though, you kind of, and then you go, oh man, let me let me turn the. Let Most streaming the radio services station. these days, I pay for the ad-free version. So, no, I'm not seeing ads with it. So, I'm not turning channels <laughs> to not hear these songs. You, you never just kind of like did that to no. Feliz Navidad. Sure. Maybe. I don't know. I'm fucking 38 <laughs> years old. I don't fucking remember it, though, because I haven't really ever <laughs> loved Christmas. I'm kind of still stuck on like a frosty slash... Mary had a little lamb slash jump around like remix of a Christmas song just happening. Oh, and I know, you know, that Mariah Carey, I know, you know, that Mariah Carey Christmas song. And I know, you know, the Kelly Clarkson one too. Justin. So you can't see her. I have bought her Christmas albums. I've never listened to them. I support her, but I don't like it. Supports Man. Kelly, but not Christmas. Yes. I still now want Kelly to have some support. money. No, you bought it just for support, knowing you weren't going to listen to Yes. It. Now that's some support. Yeah, because well, I love her. That you is very supportive. Your, yeah, you are down for your girl. 
But all I'm saying, man, is just say, you know, I know the songs. I just don't like them. That just, just say, you know, no, don't Jackson, act like we don't know. We I know those that. songs exist. I just don't always remember they exist. <laughs> is that not a fair, like, you know, mindset? I don't listen to Christmas music. I don't listen to the radio. I don't watch commercials. I don't, I don't really go out in public and shop that much in places that play music. Mm. And even when I am walking around in public, like when I'm walking around like at Walmart or, you know, anywhere for that matter, I've typically got AirPods in and I'm listening to something else. You don't even have a few of them on your song, on your um, phone. Like those bells keep ringing. No, I have exactly zero Christmas songs on my fucking phone. Every year, Jason just hopes your answer will change. I think <laughs> it just you don't never have, does. You don't no. have the bells keep no. ring ding dingling. I don't know ding, much ding, about ding, Christmas ding, songs. I don't feel like that's the name of the song. Those bells keep ring ding dingling. <laughs> that's not the name of the song, but that's just part of the lyrics. That's part of the hook. Those bells keep ring ding dingling. I know you've heard it before, Heather. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I do. I don't remember the name of the song, though. Yeah, you two knowing Christmas songs isn't something that we, you know, is astounding. <laughs> it's not a revelation for you. Yeah. What about White Christmas? I think I think Justin just Christmas. missed doing this on the last episode, and so he's got to get his Christmas songs in I'm, now. I'm just I'm just saying, Starley. I know you know them. You you try to act Dude, like oh I, uh, go, 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 go. you're too cool for school. I know you know. All I'm saying Jackson, is just say you know them, but you don't I said like them. Is I didn't remember. <laughs> How you forget about Frosty, bro? That's, I don't that's like a, Christmas that songs. That should be a crime. That should be a crime. Justin, you tell me, tell me a musical artist you don't jail like that is popular. Not tell, tell me, tell me a musical artist that's popular that you just don't like. I'm not even saying in a malicious way. You just don't like them. I don't know if I have somebody that that, that like I just don't like like that. The answer is Pitbull. The answer is always Pitbull. <laughs> is it always Pitbull? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who's who's somebody? I don't think there's anybody like I don't like. Like I look at them and I scowl. I don't have that that kind of emotion for any musician. But I don't know who's a country person. I don't listen to a lot of country. Kane Brown or something. Like I'm not a fan of Kane Brown. I can't say I don't like him, but you know, but you, I think, you, I think Kane heard. Brown came, there was a con like he came to Odessa for a concert. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like people were excited. Oh, Kane Brown is coming. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, that's about as close as I get to that. Maybe. Okay. So if I just started asking you just a bunch of Kane Brown songs, Like, it'd be okay that you didn't know him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. It's the same shit. It's the, no, it's, it's not the same, same, same bro. It's the same shit. You grew up. You grew up all Christmas ties and stuff. You're that doesn't mean I've liked no, it. But you've been saturated. I grew up listening to George Strait. I can't tell you a single George Strait song fucking ever. I've probably heard every song he released before 1992. 
But I can't name a single fucking the, one. But Frosty the Snow. I don't give a shit. Like Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. How do you forget them? They're just they're they're like iconic characters. They're not to me though. They're not iconic even, to me. You don't even drive by like in your on on the nope. way to work and see a snowman out there and just no. kind of go. Mm, no, I don't. That never happens. No. You don't even think about Frost. No. You don't even think about Frosty. No. Big Frosty. No. You keep saying Frosty, and I'm thinking of Wendy's motherfucker. <laughs> See, even that should trigger it somewhat. Like, no, you're like, oh, a Wendy's Frosty. You drink it and you're like. Probably the best chocolate snowman, milkshake you know, type thing of a fast food. That's what I think about second, when you say Frosty. The very next thing thought you should have should be frosty snowman the very too next iconic. thing i think of is a frosty mug for beer <laughs> and then Man, the third so thing strange. i think of the next thing down on the list is back to the chocolate frosty but dipping a french fry in it because that weirdly is good that is one of the few things that white women got right <laughs> i hear that yeah i hear that that's a pretty popular choice i haven't tried it it, it works Hmm. Interesting. But anyway, man, that's just so strange. It's just so weird that I know a person who forgets about Frosty the Snowman. Because I just don't ever actively think about it. You don't think it was sad? He melted, Sterling, and the kids have to say goodbye. I, I figured at least you would like that. Ha <laughs> ha, he melted and the kids had to cry. I figured that you would at least like that part of it. Like, even when you were growing up, you'd Did be like, ha ha, he melted. They were sad. Maybe. I don't know. Now, don't, don't act like you don't remember the Frosted Snowman cartoon. I don't remember it the comes end of on. it. Jason, I don't watch TV like that. I watch shit that I put on. I don't channel surf. <laughs> so, no, Jason, it didn't, I just didn't come across it on the television. Because I can't fathom that, sir. I can't fathom that you did not see this and know this. This might be an agree to disagree situation. No, no, no. Fuck that. I have never done that in my life and I never fucking will. (laughs) Justin, you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, right? You like like Dallas Cowboys? Mm -hmm. How much of your life do you spend thinking about Quincy Carter? (laughs) <laughs> I rest my case Quincy being I'm guessing frosty in this situation but just Christmas but songs Quincy, in general okay <laughs> but, but, but Quincy the cowboy man is not frosty the snowman what about That's Bernie Kosar how diff- often do you think about Bernie Kosar because he was a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys how often do you think about him is he an icon that has a song about him and he melted hey, and the kids Hey, won cried? some championships with the U. Quarterback for the Browns though. for like, what, 10 years? He did do that, though. He he did that. Yeah. Yeah. He what about John that. Kitna? How much do you think about John Kitna? <laughs> Not too much. Iconic quarterback ran out the back of the end zone. Iconic play for the Detroit Lions in their 0-16 season. Iconic. I've probably had more thoughts about John Candy than him, but still. What about Drew Bledsoe or Vinny Testaverde? How much do you think about them, Justin? 
iconic players? Not much. Exactly. Not much. Exactly. I probably thought about Nancy Drew more than that Drew. Kerrigan? Oh, okay, never mind. I thought you said not Drew. No, I get what you're saying. I'm I'm caught back up now. I'm just saying, Justin. It's possible. Okay. The I real guess. question is, how much do you think about Bokeem Woodbine? <laughs> A lot, yeah, you apparently. Don't, you don't think about him either. You don't think about Powers Booth. You you don't even you didn't even respond to Mario Van Peebles. Some MVP. I did respond to Mario Van Peebles. I said I look nothing like Mario Van Peebles. It it just lacked enthusiasm, man. I don't know what's been happening to yeah, you lately. Yeah, because that's a very did you depressing thought, Justin. I wish I could look mm-hmm. like Mario Van Peebles, and I, I don't. Really... And it makes me sad that I don't look like Mar- <laughs> Mario Van Peebles. So I had a very reasonable response to when you said I looked like Mario Van Peebles. I genuinely thought when you said that, like my brain went to Casper Van Dien when you said that, not Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> I would have so. the same response because I'd be sad I don't look like <laughs> Casper Van Dien. <laughs> I mean, Mario Van Peebles is in my second favorite Jaws movie and my second favorite Highlander movie. So he's up there is what you're saying. Yeah, he was cool back <laughs> Both of those are terrible was- fucking movies, so it's not saying much. But still, I have nothing but love for the Van Peebles. Yeah, he's like a, he's like one of those iconic Iconic, but not great. I don't know what you call it, but just one of those people who was always in those movies, not great, but you knew who they were. Like like a slightly more successful, uh, what's his name? Lorenz Tate? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, like Lorenz Tate. Like everybody knew who he was. Like every black person knows who that is. But he's not like. And he's been in like one good movie ever. <laughs> and he got shot in that movie. Yeah. Shout out Crash. Who are other actors? Like, that would be a good topic for an episode. It would be. Like, actors everyone knows, or even just certain cultures know. But they've never would be really fun. been in anything good. No, I say yeah, that. that Mario Van Peebles has actually been in some good movies. Yeah, he has. When he was less famous. Like, after he, like, was big and then kind of, like, went out of the limelight, he was in some better movies. Oh, he did that one. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. I have to look it up. That I cannot remember. Fucking, uh, oh, badass. God, why? Why could I not think of the name of that fucking movie? That's a really good movie. Especially if you're going into like the, the, you know, a more modern version of blaxploitation cinema and stuff like that. Oh, super good. And then he did that movie, The Game. 
what was that action movie he did? Was it like Solo? Wasn't he in Solo? No, who was that? Solo. Oh my it was gosh. Him. I know. It was I think him. that was him, bro. Yeah, that was him. Isn't that technically a spinoff of Universal Soldier? Kind of. Like it's in that universe? Oh, yeah. Highlander. Oh, yeah. The Final Dimension. Mario Van funny how, how do we go from Gypsy to Frosty to Snowman to Mario Van Peebles? Like, see, why do we do this? This is why me and you. I'm not even done with my news. talk. <laughs> I actually wanted to do like a more personal thing of news. Of So there was a show from the mid 2000s. There was a very popular show that I recently just started watching called New Girl. It's got Zoe Deschanel and. Uh, other people. Peter B. Parker. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I remembered the other people more because they are the only thing I like about the show. Pretty much every time Zoe Deschanel is on the screen, I want to rage punch my television. <laughs> it is the single most annoying character that has ever been written in book Play, TV, movie, <laughs> porn, just anything that was ever <laughs> Entertainment. been Entertainment. Just anything. You know how like little kids write stories and it's all like, then the unicorn saved everybody from the firefly and it's all just a bunch of nonsense words. Just, you know, because they're just trying, the teacher's trying to make sure they just know what nouns and verbs are. Infinitely better written characters than her fucking character on that show. <laughs> Man, she that was a popular show when it came out. Yeah, she's definitely the weakest character on that show. I feel like she's infamously, a lot of people consider her like the worst main character of a television show. Oh, it is wow. garbage, dude. Yeah. Garbage. I have no issues with her like individually but as that character i do now <laughs> for being that character i hate her as a person <laughs> she's marrying a property brother i hate him too <laughs> yeah it, she's definitely like and there's a reason why during a certain time in the show when she was not in it that it still did well because all the other characters are better. Oh yeah. I am enjoying the dynamics of every other character on that show. And then she shows her stupid face on the fucking screen. And I just get (laughs) irrationally angry. It's because they, they leaned way too hard into the, I'm the quirky, silly, goofy, awkward girl. Like they lean into it way too much. There is a scene in the season one season finale where there's a fucking coyote and she starts meep meeping it like the roadrunner constantly. Just meep meeping. Oh no. Yeah. I've never wanted to see a character get mauled by a coyote more in my life. (laughs) Justin, you know that feeling of just anger and dread and just all around misery every time the Cowboys make the playoffs just to fail really fast. 
I hate how you set me up for that. I hate you. But you know that feeling, right? Yeah, same thing I felt when you tried to act like you didn't know who Frosty the Snowman was. Okay, yeah, fine. That's the same feeling. Okay, that's good too. Just use that. Um, <laughs> that's essentially the feeling I get every single time she fucking shows up on the screen. Because she just ruins everything. All the other characters will be having this like great amount of dialogue and this great shit. And then she just shows up and just ruins my night. <laughs> and the sad thing is, like, I remember back when that show came out and even before it, that like so many guys I knew were absolutely in love with Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. I mean, I get it a little bit in like a movie like 500 Days of Summer. But I think more of my interest in her and that is because I would have probably rather have fucked Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, maybe not his character in that movie, because if you really look at it, his character in that movie is an insanely toxic individual. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a pretty attractive man, so. And, he, you know, they have like a nice little musical, like song and dance number to a Hall & Oates song, so. That's always nice. Yeah. She's a, uh, it's, it's sad. It's unfortunate because she definitely is the weakest character. Like so much so that she sings the theme song and it's all based around her. Cause they're like, who's the new girl? It's me. Fucking terrible. And that's not like on purpose or anything. That's not meant to be. It's meant to be in the joke or is. Okay. So that's what it is. They're going for endearing. It's just not. It's fucking annoying. Because that's how the characters in the show treat it. All right. So there's a scene in, in season one where somebody says something or like some, but just bullshit happens. Right. And then the guy's like, you can't even say the word penis. And she's like, yeah, I can. And they're like, you didn't yeah. say it. And she's all. And they're just like, you know what I mean? Like they, they do that for like eight minutes. It's supposed to be like, oh, what? she's so quirky. She can't say penis. Yeah, and it's the it's a thing like it's that's just one instance. That's stuff that happens throughout the entire show. Like I said, sorry for how far you are in or not, but that's just the thing. She's just like, oh man, there's a coyote that's growling and might want to eat us, and she just goes me 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 me, and the other guy's like, why are you doing that? And she's like, the Roadrunner's the natural enemy of the coyote, and she just keeps meep meeping like she's got this compulsive urge. Cause he's like trying to grab her and like restrain her and like cover her mouth. So she'll stop antagonizing said wild animal. And she's just like struggling cause she has to meep at it. Yeah. Wow. Oh. It's rough. It's really rough. And especially when you hear somebody else explain her character, it makes it even worse because you realize like, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. It's terrible. And all these characters that are just well-written and well-portrayed, just, they're like, oh, Jess, you're so cute. Like, she's not. She is of the devil. 
but not in the fun way. <laughs> like in the like the classic, like biblical, like evil way of the devil. Not the fun of the devil. <laughs> like oh, if no. anybody is the Antichrist and will bring about the end of days, it is Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> More specifically, in this show. Yeah. Wow. Okay. They have an entire Thanksgiving episode of her wanting to parent trap her parents. And as an adult, when her parents who have not been together forever don't fall back in love, she throws a temper tantrum and throws the turkey into the sink to shove it down the garbage disposal. As an adult, like as in an adult <laughs> in her 30s, an adult with a master's in fucking education. Because <laughs> she's a teacher. Yeah. But also states she has a master's degree. And But she also does that weird thing where she like, when people are arguing in front of her, she decides to stand up and just sing really loudly because she doesn't want to hear them arguing. So she'll just like sing a song instead. It's just so weird. Like why as an adult, like as an actual adult, she's still doing that. Yeah. Isn't that Jason? We would like you to watch this show, I guess, and see if you agree. (laughs) You got to watch like three episodes before you just want to punch her. Wow. Had no clue that the show was like that. Wow, that was that was eye opening. But all of the other they, characters they are somehow lovely. Made a one hundred and forty three episodes of that bullshit. But yeah, the other like, the other characters carry that show, though. The other characters are very oh yeah, good. That's the only reason why I've kept watching is I like the story and the the development and the portrayal and the. I, I enjoy every other character on that show. But the main character, it's a very perplexing situation to be in. Never before has that been a thing. Man, because it lasted a while and was really popular. I know. Yeah, I think it's like seven, seven or eight seasons. Seven seasons. So. You know, I always thought, and it was pretty critically acclaimed, so I just, I didn't know it was like that, though. I didn't know there was a character in there like that. That's pretty surprising. I thought that it was like this intelligent, at the time, they were like, oh, it's this intelligent comedy romp. Now, out. the sad thing is, is there are aspects of that. The The character Schmidt has, like, really good, like, while he is a douchebag character in so many instances has like great points of view on what modern masculinity should be. And, you know, that, that standard, you know, just man's man mentality is a very toxic and, you know, antiquated point of view. You know, the other characters do have smart points of view and smart insights into to, to society and all of these things. And then she'll come in going, yeah, I've got a daisy for underwear. <laughs> and then run away. It's fucking terrible. 
And I do like that they also make like her best friend in the show is a is a model. And they also portray her as like actually very intelligent and probably the most mature and normal of all of them. So. But she's best friends with a goddamn idiot. <laughs> a daisy for underwear. That was funny. Somebody. I don't remember if that's ever a line in the show, but it sounds exactly well like something be. that would happen. Yeah. All I'm saying <laughs> is if this character was a real human being. She would be dead because she has no discernible life skills. Like she's the type of person that would be like, oh, no, that tiger looks sad. Let me go give it a hug and then gets mauled by the fucking tiger in the zoo. That sounds about right. miserable and then they try to act like she's got intelligence at, at any point and it just drives me nuts because she does nothing with it just thinking about her characters making me have the sniffles just made me sneeze <laughs> I am allergic to that character's bullshit Anyway, wow. You guys want to actually get to these two movies? Yeah. Yes. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the movies, The Iron Claw and Godzilla Minus One. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. For both movies with time because in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require in both our audio and visual formats. Not visual formats, video formats. Ah, it's going to be a long night if I keep doing that. All that being said, we are going to talk about the Iron Claw first. Like I said, we will be going spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section and there's really no better person to start this than our resident wrestler, yes, sir. Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about the Iron Claw? Cool. So um, what's interesting about this is that it's been maybe three weeks since I've seen this movie. Sorry. And um, and the reason why was because the the wrestling company I'm affiliated with, we actually got to see like a early screening of this. So that was pretty cool that we got invited to the theater and got to be like some of the 
I guess, first public people um, to see it during its early release. So that was kind of neat. Um, being that this story is about the Von Erich family and m- more specifically kind of the, uh, the, the Von Erich pro wrestling brothers, it, it's, it's a story that is definitely um, tied that I'm definitely tied to because I, I, you know, I wasn't old enough to have grown up and seen the Von Erics or have gone to um, where they used to wrestle in the Dallas area and everything like that. So I wasn't, uh, I'm not old enough to say that I like, I knew them in that way, but there are people still alive that were closely associated to, to them and that family and I've known some of those people, wrestled with some of those people, performed with some of those people. So the Von Erichs are, and, you know, whenever you're coming up and training and learning how to wrestle and stuff, you it, there's no way you could train in Texas and not really know about the Von Erich brothers when it comes to wrestling because they were a very iconic family back in like back when you're looking at eighties wrestling. So like, and when, when I say they were very popular, that that's probably an understatement. They were kind of like gods, like in Texas back then, like they couldn't go anywhere. Like everybody knew who, the Von Erich family was everybody knew them. Everybody was, was fans of those brothers and everything like that. And, you know, by this, so by this time I had seen a lot of different documentaries about this story. I'd seen a lot of uh, things about this story. So anytime there's a movie that comes out and it's based on true events or it's inspired by a true story or anything like that. You know, there's always going to be that hurdle of how much of this is historically accurate versus how much of this is dramatized. I definitely think your like and dislike for this is probably going to lean on how close you are with the family, these people, the story, et cetera. Because there are some things that they left out, (laughs) to put it lightly. There's an entire human being that was left out of this, an entire Von Erich family member that was left out of this. So there is that. And and then when you hear the reasons why, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I buy that. So I'm in a weird place with this movie. Like... I feel like if this was just a movie and you didn't know it was the Von Erics, like if this was just a movie about this family of clarinet players and their father really wanted them to be, you know, this super duper clarinet family. And they all grew up aspiring to do this thing because of their father. And it led to all this tragedy and all this stuff. You know, if it was, if you remove the Von Erichs from it and you just watch this as a movie, I think it is a good movie. It's well acted. It's, it's, it's well performed. 
the story is very is very sad, but I, I mean, w- with all the deaths and the tragedy and all that, but found a way to sort of be a little uplifting, I think, at the end, um, which is saying a lot for everything that happened in this movie. So it's weird because the person in me that just likes cinematic movies feels like if you weigh it, if you weigh it all together, it's, it's, you could argue it's a good movie, but the person, but the wrestler in me that kind of knows the story, knows the history, knows a lot about this story, feels like there were definitely things left to be desired. So I'm kind of in this weird place with it. I don't feel that it's bad enough to say it's not good or anything. Zach, Zach Efron, this is probably the best act that I've seen him do. Like this might be his best performance of his career. Um, so I get where people are coming with some of that. A lot of the actor portrayals are good. Um, some of the actor portrayals though, I think we could have done a better job because I just know the actual wrestlers and it's like, uh, we probably could have found somebody who could have done a, a better Ric Flair than this guy. I was about to ask you if you were talking about Ric Flair. Yeah. I was like, yikes. But anyway, uh, but, uh, <laughs> this is where they fucked up. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this in now. Cause you're talking specifically about it. They have okay. MJF as Lance. They mm. also gave MJF no lines. Yeah. Why the fuck was MJF not fucking Ric Flair? That would have been tight. Because in a lot of ways, you could argue he is a modern day Ric Flair. In a lot of ways, you can argue that's kind of what he is. But so, yeah, you're right. I think that would have been a nice choice. to make. But, dude, there's a guy on the indies that basically imitates Ric Flair and he does a heck of a job, man. He's got wigs and robes and all that kind of stuff. It almost could have been him. I hate to say it. There's probably no less than 472 people on the Indies throughout this fucking country that are probably doing a better Ric Flair impression than the fucking guy did in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, the, that definitely was something where I was uh, like, "Who who got in the uh, Woo Fest really like with that. Ric Flair? Wasn't that Jay Lethal?" Yeah, yeah, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal could have done a better version of Ric Flair. I was about to. You took the. Yeah, I was thinking as you said that. I was thinking that. I was like, "Dang, Jay Lethal almost would have done it." And, and it would have been that funny. Know, Jay Lethal is a black man, and that's yes, why it's funny. And, yeah, and, and the funny thing is that. Wrestling fans would have totally got it and been so cool with him being Ric Flair and people, but people outside of wrestling who kind of know Ric Flair, but don't know Jay Lethal would be like, what the hell are they doing? But that would have, that would have just been a nod to wrestling fans. Cause we totally, any fan of wrestling and Jay Lethal and all the Ric Flair, Jay Lethal woo off stuff would have just loved that. But it- it, the problem is, is that it goes against the entire tone of the movie if they did that. Yeah, so yeah. What that, they need that's to the do, only thing. You, so you kind of couldn't. Is Jay Lethal just needs to just deliver that monologue. 
like as a little YouTube short or something like, you know what I mean? Like that, that scene where, you know, Ric Flair is doing his little monologue or, you know, that I, I guess it's not a monologue. It's the, it's cutting the promo. Jay Liesel just needs to do that for YouTube <laughs> yeah. or TikTok or something. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, but that's not to say I didn't like uh, every impression. Um, the guy who played Harley race, I thought did a good job. He kind of, he didn't look exactly like him, but he kind of did. He favored him a little bit and he had the right kind of, he had the right kind of charisma about him and that kind of scraggly voice about him. I thought he did a better job. See, I don't um, know that character. Or I don't know that wrestler enough for, to, to make a determination to, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he's another like legendary, like, wrestler in the 70s and 80s especially with the nwa and stuff like that so anyway neither here or there back to the movie itself so yeah it's i i'm in such this prop this movie has me torn in so many ways because the wrestler in me really wishes that it could have been more accurate and could have been better but the movie person in me feels like it was good enough to at least be deemed a good film. You know what I mean? So I guess that's just kind of where I am with it. I'll, I'll figure out what kind of score I'm going to give it when we get to that point. But yeah, that's how I feel. It's not, a, I can at least say it's not a bad film, but it's probably something that is probably going to capture, um, it's probably going to get more pe- more casuals, I guess you could say, on its side. People who don't really know the story and are just in there watching it for the first time. I think it's going to be able to hook those people more than people who know this story. Because I feel like people who know it are just going to be wondering why so much stuff was not in it or ignored and stuff like that. So... There is that. Um, I guess the the last thing I'll say about it is that at least it, it, it never, I guess I never felt like I was being lied to at least like they, they didn't change the deaths or make them better or something. Ish. You know, they didn't, they, they, they I, I didn't feel like they maybe they did combine two people's deaths. Yeah, they did, but but that was because he was left out. Yeah. Or are we talking about something different? No, no, no. Yeah, We're yeah, about, yeah. They, they combined. Okay, the two. same thing. Yeah, yeah, they combined what Chris yeah. and uh, Carrie. Yeah, yeah. So that, but, but as far as how the those tragedies played out, it felt like it pretty much, just from what I've read and remember. You know, the 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 deaths that were there <laughs> line up for the most part. They they pretty much line up the, the way that it was. So I don't feel like it's one of those kind of based on a true story movies that lies to you. But it's kind of one of those things where there's omission of some truths. Well, so I, I think also where, where they're able to get away from that is they didn't make this technically just like a a biographical story. They made this movie technically from the point of view of 
uh, Kevin Von Erich, the one yes. surviving Von Erich, you know? Yes. So you get that unreliable narrator aspect to it or the I'm going to gloss over some shit because I don't want to tell my terrible story narrator. You you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I get that. And, and it really, and, and really at its heart, it's more of a story about the relationship of these brothers more than it is a wrestling movie. It's not really a movie about wrestling. I guess you could say it's more about, it's more of a, a movie about this family more in more particularly, like you said, the brothers and their relationship and stuff like that more than it is about the wrestling, the wrestling's there, but it almost felt like a, it, it, it almost felt like it was, I don't want to say like the, the, the icing of the cake or the, like it's an integral part. Cause that's what they were doing. But I, I think I already said it the best way I could. Make no mistake, this is not a wrestling movie. It's it's not. So I think also that needs to be said too. So if you come in with that expectation that this is going to be all about the sportatorium and the NWA and the AWA and all of that kind of stuff, yeah, you're going to be disappointed because it's not really about that. It's more about, it's more this family story about these brothers that faced all this tragedy. That's really what it's about. That happened to you be know? wrestlers. Yeah, that happened to be wrestlers. It's not a wrestling story, and we happen to, it happens to be about some brothers. It is exactly what you said. So I think in the spirit of that, it's, it's a solid, it's a pretty good film. But yeah, I think regardless of where you stand on it, though, there's definitely some things left to be desired and and it does have some flaws. So by no means a perfect film, uh, but, but, but I, I think even as much as my both sides are fighting on it, I think I can at least say that on its merits, it is a good film. It, 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 It wouldn't be a film that I would say avoid, put it that way. I really like how you brought up the more casual people because we have one, Heather. Yes. What are your casual wrestling knowledge person thoughts of the Iron Claw? Yeah, I, I I do think I'm, I guess I'm kind of glad that we have different perspectives on this one because I definitely didn't even know who this family was. We have essentially all three because like, I know great. wrestling I'm mm-hmm. not as in deep as you are, Justin, you know, right. true. I, I'm in the middle then, of you yeah. two as far as like, I knew the story of the Von Erichs. Right. I knew that going into it. I vaguely remember Carrie Von Erich in WWF or WWE now, you know, like I vaguely yeah. remember that shit, you know? So. Yeah. But and yeah, I'm the I'm casual the viewer of like, I know who Ric Flair is and like, I knew who that, you know what I mean? Like I know those things and, even I could tell that that was not a good Ric Flair uh, casting choice. That's the woos were way off. That's to me. the worst one to know. drop it on. You could have yeah. had a bad <laughs> Bruiser Brody or a bad Gino or a bad anybody else. You can't drop the ball on Ric fucking Flair. <laughs> Arguably, yeah, Ric Flair, the bro. most recognizable wrestler outside of what Hulk Hogan. 
Right. Yeah. Andre the Giant, yeah, The Flair. Rock, John, like, you know, outside of some yeah. of the biggest names and, you know, you can't drop the ball on Rick fucking Flair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even I was a little questionable on that choice. Like, and I, again, I'm the casual viewer here. Like I, I used to watch wrestling when I was much younger with my brother, but I mean, it's been so many years, you know what I mean? So like, I just, I'm not as familiar and I definitely did not even know about the Von Erics at all until kind of a vague conversation we had about it prior to this week's episode, you know, like it, it just was not something I was familiar with at all. So I was mostly going into this, like just not knowing, I mean, I kind of, when I heard about it, I kind of researched a little bit of what was happening and what was going on with it. But, um, and so, yeah, I do think that knowing some of the things, of course, kind of, you know, switched a little bit of what I was expecting from the movie. But I can safely say that, like, as somebody who is more casual and somebody who I didn't know all of the details of everything specifically, really, I did actually think it was a good movie. You know, I thought it was a really well-made movie. I think the acting was really great across the board from everybody. It's a super tragic story. Uh, it's told in a very captivating way, in my opinion, because I just kind of feel like, you know, from the beginning, from the opening scene, I feel like for me, it grabbed me in. And just knowing at least a little bit of some of the events that were going to take place I was kind of on the edge of my seat being like, what's going to happen and when, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, just not knowing all of the events that played out and like the timing of when they play out necessarily, you know, it, it kept me interested enough to be like, okay, I know something's about to happen, but I don't know when and who and whatever, you know? So I, I feel like because of me not being as in depth with knowing the details I might have enjoyed this more than you did, Jastin, and possibly more than you did, Sterling. Um, because I, I honestly think that just at face value, for me, this was a really great movie. Um, I, I just really enjoyed the story of it. I enjoyed the acting. I enjoyed, I feel like, I mean, again, being a little bit more on the casual side with it, I do feel like they also did well with the wrestling portions of it, from what I could tell, you know. And even just like certain things that they talked about regarding wrestling and the rules of it and how it works. Like, I feel like they addressed some of those conversations really well. And that's something in spoilers that we might talk a little bit more about. And I, ha I might ask you some specific questions, Justin, on if you felt like that was done well or not, because you would know better. But um, but yeah, I just I really I, I liked this movie, I think, more than I expected to. Even knowing that, obviously, I did know about the whole person that was missing from this movie. So I was curious how that was going to go. You know, I just but I still feel like the performances and the way that the movie's paced and the way that they unfold the events of what happens with this family, I think is really well done in this movie. So I agree. I think this is I mean, it's up there for as a Zac Efron performance, I think. You know, I think he did a great job. Um, I think. But I, I don't necessarily think that he was always the standout per se, but I think it's because his character was kind of not necessarily just that way. But I think all of the brothers were fantastic. Uh, I think his name is Harris, Harris Dickinson, who played David Von Erich. 
I loved him. I think that he was excellent. I think he was so captivating anytime he was on screen, which I think was the point of his character anyway. But, you know, he was just so great. Jeremy Allen White is a great actor. He did a great job. Like the the dad, the guy who plays the dad, Holt, Holt McCallany, He's he was excellent yeah, too. Was like good. everybody really brought it with the performances in this movie. And yeah, so I think that, and I think you kind of, especially with a movie like this, you really got to do that top notch. You kind of have to be top notch with how you portray this as real people and as a real event and just the subject matter of what happens. You have to really handle it carefully and thoughtfully. And I think their casting choices sort of proved that they did that. Although kind of, I guess what you said too, Justin, some things are left out. They didn't necessarily tell everything. Um, so there is that aspect of it too. But as far as the story that they were telling, they did handle it, I think, very thoughtfully and in a very well done way. So yeah, I, I say overall, I think it was a good movie, but I do agree that if you know more behind the scenes of some of the stuff that went on with the story, you might not be as big of a fan. So I can kind of see both ways of that. But taking it at face value, if I'm taking out the fact that I did research a little bit of it before I watched the movie, I would say that I think it's a very good movie. Being in the middle of it all, and, you know, I'm not an expert on the Von Eric story, but I knew it. You know, I've listened, you know, uh, you know, there, there was a Dark Side of the Ring episode about it that I had seen. There was some a very good episode. I don't like the way they did some of the order. I don't like the way they did some of the reveals in it, though, because I actually rewatched it for this. And I was like, ah, that was disingenuous, too. Like mm. with, with the, and I'll, I'll bring that up in spoilers. It's not it does oh, okay. spoil something in the movie. So I that's why I'm going to leave it. Even though it's all real life okay. shit. So it's like, is it really spoiling if it, it's real life? But still, um, I've listened to a podcast about it. I want to bring up some of the things in that that were talked about that I think would have really been a great thing to show in this movie that they didn't. Uh, but you know, I'm very much really weirdly enough, you know, we were talking about the, my wrestling acumen being in the middle of you two, my opinion on this movie, I think is a little bit in the middle of you two also. Like, I mean, I, I, I think for the most part it was, it was a well acted movie, you know, uh, I mean, I'll get more into it later, but you know, justice for Chris, man, justice for Chris. I, and you alluded to it, Justin, and that's why I'm going to bring it up in spoilers. I do not like the director's logic for why he left it out. I disagree like a motherfucker. And if I was Kevin, who also had, had to do, you know, had stuff to do with this movie. I would have fought for Chris to be in it. We'll get into that. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I liked, I liked the way they framed a lot of the way, you know, framed this movie as it being, like I said, from Kevin's point of view, cause he's the, the only one left alive, you know? And I like the fact that they didn't completely redeem some of the characters that did not need to be redeemed. I appreciate that. A lot of times they try to redeem those characters. I'm glad they didn't. 
you know, I think I would have liked a little bit more of the actual comeuppance we get in real life with some of these people that we didn't get in this. Like, well, you know, what happened to dear old daddy? I would have liked if they had at least brought that up. There's a scene right before the end of this that I thought was a very awkward scene uh, that we'll get into. Uh, it just really took me aback, especially like, you know, when Chris is not there too, it like ends up really kind of bothering me. Like and I already thought it was a slightly weird scene and then you get more into it. And it's like, it's, you know, I think the main cast is very good. You know, I think, you know, like we talked about, you could have fumbled on a lot of wrestlers. You don't fumble on fucking Ric Flair though. Especially when you have MJF as Lance, like you're wasting somebody that is an amazing speaker on a non-speaking role. You just see him kind of smile and that's it. And Uh, flex. Yeah, he did flex. You know, I just, it, it, and I know we're harping on this guy a lot, but it's, it's that bad of a Ric Flair impression. It's like you got somebody super high on all kinds of drugs and then had them watch a YouTube video of Ric Flair clips having no experience to Ric Flair ever. Like for the first time they are ever seeing Ric Flair is when they are high on at least four dozen different drugs. And then that person just explains Ric Flair to this guy. And that's his version of Ric Flair. Cause it's not there. Ric Flair's still alive, right? Sadly. Okay. I shouldn't say it like that. That's terrible don't, of me. But yes, sadly. Don't say that. <laughs> Come on. <no. laughs> don't say that. But yeah, you're right about the impression, though, man. Like, I'm almost willing to say I have some friends just in my friendship circle that could probably have done a better impression of Ric Flair. Than, I could have done a better impression than of Ric Flair. That guy did. Like, like one time we were voice messaging each other back and forth, and we were like, what if Hulk Hogan played Darth Vader? And so you would have to pretend to be Hulk Hogan as Darth Vader. You know, I am your father, brother, and stuff like that, right? And so my friend did a Ric Flair as Darth Vader. And he did an amazing job. Like, he he actually did a good job. Um, And I'm like, man, he could have done this part. Like, he almost could have done it. Like, Like, man, that guy just... If he, I mean, and I'm not saying he needed to look exactly like Ric Flair, but God, you got to sound like look. him, man. You got to sound like him, Bo. I, I, yeah, like like you said, I would forgive the looks, but you got to sound like him. And that woo has to be big and pronounced and loud and exactly what we know it to be. You got to find somebody who can do that, man. You can't like Because this movie part. was full of people that did not quite look like their counterparts. Yeah. Jacuzzi Allen White did not really look like Carrie Von Eric because Carrie Von Eric is at least a good, like 27 inches taller than that man. Yeah. Like two of him. Yes. And then Zach Efron is about the size of four Kevin Von Eric's. <laughs> like Zach Efron was showing muscles in this movie 
that Kevin Von Erich did not know existed. <laughs> Dude was insanely jacked for this movie. Yeah, man, he got golly, man. This, Talk about a body transformation. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, we would. I'm we're we're not harping on that shit because they were good performances. So you're like, okay, right. Who cares if they look exactly right? It's a good performance. You know, you're still embodying yeah. the character. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. I get that you can't grow eight inches for this role. I get that. I don't know. You can try to sound like Ric Flair. Because that's a big pivotal scene in the movie. Like, I think that that's the flip side of it, too. It's, it's not just like a little quick little thing that's just, you know, kind of happens as the movie goes. It's a pivotal scene in the movie. Yeah, and I think, like, if Ric Flair was just kind of one of those guys at that time in the 80s that he was there, we kind of know him. If you're a wrestling fan, you know he was. He was kind of there, and then he passed on or whatever. And, like, the majority of his fame and and what he did and his stamp on wrestling was kind of in that area that's kind of, I don't want to call it, I don't want to say it's a forgotten era, but you know, there there are wrestling fans today that may not know anything about that era of wrestling. The problem with Ric Flair, though, is that it don't matter what era you're talking about. Every era from like the 70s to current has had some iteration of him being on fucking TV. On TV. So uh, literally everybody almost damn near knows who that man is. So it, it you, you can't just, and I get that it was a small role. I get that it was a small part. I get that they were like, well, it, it's not, he's not a main character in this. So we can just do this. It'll be fine. I, I get what probably Hollywood people are thinking with that, but Nah, man, he's too big. He's too great for he he means too much to wrestling and he's too well known to where you can't get away with that. Yeah, you you know what I mean? It. Yeah, that's you, like you, you can't you couldn't get away with that to play Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even if it's yeah. just a cameo, we're like, it's Arnold and I just go. Hey, <laughs> people would go uncanny. Ah, they should not have got that man to play Arnold. Yeah, exactly. It's you, about as good as my Vin Diesel impression. Let's just say that. You much. know, like if you if you were you know like if that if that role was about as big in the movie as like the Bruiser Brody character was, wouldn't have batted an eye at that Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Because it's all behind the scenes stuff, you know. You're not like trying at no point where they like, oh, the persona of Bruiser Brody, you know, he's like in the, you know. It was all the behind the scenes stuff, which that's when that character's fine. The only time that Ric Flair character did not bother me was when he was backstage. Like when he's in the locker room. Like just talking with other guys. I'm like, that's fine, I guess, because it's just motherfuckers talking in a locker room. You know, it's it. 
but it, 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 where it comes into a problem in the movie and why I guess we're bringing it up so much is it's very distracting. In this very serious and this very like dramatic and, you know, like tragic story to have something that just comes through and slaps you in the face and like kisses you like Bugs Bunny kisses Elmer Fudd as a form of like, it just, it brings you out of everything so quickly. And I can only imagine it's worse for wrestling fans. You know, uh, it's, it's one of those things. I think it's funny. It probably bothered Justin the most me, the middle and has at least, but still bothered her, you know, and that's, that's a problem in a movie, you know, like, especially when your core audience is going to be wrestling fans. All they had to do was get that woo right. And I would have been fine. Like <laughs> you get that woo, woo right. right and 95% Every, of everybody yeah. is going to be slightly more okay with it. Right. Yeah. He did a half yeah, decent he, strut too. The strut was good. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right, Heather. If he, had, even though that promo, he didn't really sound like Ric Flair. And that was kind of the first red flag. It was like, oh, whoa, he doesn't sound like him at all. But you're right. If he had hit that woo, I'd have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. They couldn't because have just we, dubbed we, a we finished woo. strong. They you couldn't know? have at least we dubbed a flare woo, gotten like actually licensed a flare woo yeah. and just dubbed it. Come on. I mean, that's, that's true. iconic. Because, yeah. like, for but, me, I don't necessarily remember his speaking voice as much. So I was kind of like waiting for the woo because that's what I know. Right. So like, that's what I'm waiting to hear to be like, okay, what is it like? And then when I heard it, I was like, Hmm. <laughs> All right. Like just a, a big letdown really. And you know, but like, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning like as much as we have. Cause like I said, it's a pivotal scene in the movie. It really takes you out. Like when you're in the third act, when you, as a movie, should never do anything to take you out of a movie. The most important time is the very beginning of the first act and the entire third act. That's when you do not do anything to take somebody out of your movie. Because that can make or break. You don't want it at the very beginning because that's the hook. You know what I mean? You don't want to get them and then go, ah, and fuck it up at the beginning. If you don't want to reel them in and about to just really have them like have your, you're, you're about to take a bite. You know what I mean? And then just fuck it up. It, it, it It's a bad, bad way of making a movie. Cause then you have people on a podcast sitting here for fucking 10 minutes talking about that shit more than talking about the rest of your pretty good fucking movie. That's why it's a bad problem. You focus on it. Outside of that, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. And that's sad. Like, <laughs> I'm looking at this article about like how mad people are about Ric Flair's performance. Yes. <laughs> and the first yeah, line in it says, almost everyone in the world can do a Ric Flair impersonation. So the Iron Claw cast the one guy who can't. 
exactly what we've been saying. It really is like he went into the casting office and they went, hey, do you know who Ric Flair is? And they go, nah. And they went, you're hired. (laughs) And then all they did was write down the words and they went, you are not allowed to actually look him up. You just have to read this like you think you should. And the guy just did that. I feel so bad for this man, too, because it's is it his fault? I don't know. I I want to blame other people because I'm like, you can't blame them. You can't blame an actor for going to an audition that they might not be qualified for. That's what they're that's what they do. You can blame the assholes that cast him, though. And you can blame the director for sitting there going, huh, we filmed that. Let's move on. Must have been last day of filming. They were running long or something. Who knows? Something. Jeez. (laughs) There's like five people and they're like, all right, we filmed this 800 times. It's not getting any better. Let's just fucking call it a day. Uh, Recommendations and scores. Yes. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. I mean, honestly, yeah, I do think it's a good movie. I think it's worth watching. I think it's it's one of those where if you don't know the story, it is it's informative enough to to let you know about this tragic story, but going into it knowing that not all the details are actually there. Um, so maybe it might be one that interests you in pursuing research outside of the movie. But I do think that at face value, like I said, I do think it's a really well-made movie and I think it's got really great acting performances in it. And I, I wasn't bored at any point in this movie. I thought it was paced well. And I thought that it was just a really captivating story. I mean, as tragic as it is, it's, it's like, I just want to know what's going to happen. You know, like you're just, that's kind of where I was at any given point in this movie. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it's worth it, but I do think kind of like what, uh, what the guys said is like, it, it's good for a casual viewing fan or a non wrestling viewing fan. Like it's, it's going to, you're going to probably like it more because you, you aren't aware a little of a little bit more of the information, but I don't think that, yeah, it's not going to take you completely out of it. I don't think even if you do know more of the details, but you're just weary of it and, and it'll make you probably just, um, yeah, you, you're not going to be maybe as invested in the story, but I mean, in the theater I was in, like you could tell most of them didn't know a single thing about what was going to happen in this movie based on their reactions. But, uh, and the girls next to me were just completely there for Jeremy Allen White. That was the only reason they were in that movie. You could tell just any time he was on screen, they were so excited and then just way more invested in him than anybody else in this movie. But um, <laughs> that aside, you could just tell like the people who didn't really expect what was going to happen for a lot of moments in this movie. So, um, but I do, again, I think it's a, a good movie. I think it's really solid and I just really enjoyed how it was made. So I do recommend it. Just go in. If you are more than just a casual wrestling fan, uh, just going in knowing that 
you know, it's not going to be a perfectly historically accurate situation that you're walking into. But um, yeah, I, I would, I mean, I guess I'll give it. Hmm. This is tough because it is really good, but I do wish knowing some of the details, I do wish they would have done some things differently. Um, I'm going to give this movie. We'll give it 83. Um, bad Ric Flair impressions out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I think I've just arrived to a point where it, it, it's kind of like, it's going to sound weird when I say this, but once I explain it, I think it'll be better. Whatever opinion you have about this, depending on where you fall on the spectrum of this, is probably one that I'm willing to respect. Like, if you're one of those people who is like, I wanted it to be almost 90% accurate to what I know and what I've read and what I'm close to and I know the Von Erics and I'm, you know, I'm in the circle and all of this kind of stuff. And I wanted, you know, I, I, I didn't want any family members to be missing. I wanted it to kind of them to kind of tell the story like it was. I wanted to see what I've known about and what I read about. And for those reasons, I don't think that this is very good. I'm inclined to respect that opinion because I can't argue for the things that they left out or are not exactly historically accurate, things like that. You know, I'm, I can't, I, I can't argue. I can't be like, you're wrong. They should have lied to people. I can't say that. You know, I can't be like, you're wrong. They should have, <laughs> it was a great that they didn't have the, all the facts. I can't argue against that. But at the same time, if you are a person just like what Heather said, uh, it's a very good movie. It was very um, well acted. It was well paced. It was very dramatic. It was very moving and touching, and um, and 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 the and the wrestling that they did do, they didn't disrespect the wrestling aspect of it. You know, all of the wrestling, it felt like they did respect the craft and what wrestling is and stuff like that. Uh, and they also kind of showed how the, the dangers of it too. It showed both sides of it, the gratifying part of it, but then how this or anything or masculinity in some ways, how sometimes those things can be toxic too and can lead to um, tragedy as well. So I think the film is is good on those merits, too. Um, so if you're a person that says, no, I went in, I saw it, and I thought that it was just a great dramatization of something that happened, that uh, of something that actually happened. But this was supposed to be a dramatization of that, not a documentary of it. So you know what? It was a good film, maybe even a great film that came out this year. I don't think I can disagree with that either. 
because like I said, the cinema part of me, I do think it was. Like I said, if this had been about some clarinet playing brothers and father and it wasn't about the Von Erics, you probably think it was a great film. If this movie followed the same trajectory but was about clarinet players, it'd be the darkest movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be. Just a bunch of but, clarinet players killing themselves because they can't live up to <laughs> their father's expectations for them and their clarinet playing family. That would just be a dark fucking movie, man. I want to see it. Man, now, I'm, now I'm sitting there going, man, I kind of want I kind of want this clarinet tragedy. I kind of want this clarinet family tragedy movie now for some reason. Um, Hollywood, get on that. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, but, but no. So I think on those merits, it's good. So at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I reckon, I, I'm going to say, I recommend it, man. Like, Either way, the movie is worth seeing to develop the opinion for yourself. I feel like this is one of those where you got to sit through it and see what they did and see how you feel after it's all said and done. I would never tell anybody, anybody on where, where regardless of the spectrum, whether you're me, who's actually wrestling, whether you're Sterling, who's a fan of, of wrestling, or you're somebody like Heather who, you know, is is a casual fan of wrestling, but not but not really a, a watcher of wrestling in that way. Though Heather has seen me wrestle. Um True story. Um I I, I would recommend still all three people watch the film. I still think I would. I still think I would recommend you watch it. And like I said, on its uh, on its merits, the acting is good enough. The portrayals, most, <laughs> most of them, ex- uh, uh, only one is just, is, is just, you know, bad, but, but, but all the rest of them are good. So, you know, what is that? Well, I don't know what the percentage of that is. I would need to know exactly everyone who was in the movie and then that many people to one. So that's a pretty good percentage. You know, I'll take those odds. You know, we 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 shot all these times and we only missed one shot. It doesn't sound that bad when you look at it that way. So it does um, when that one shot was in your fucking foot, though. <laughs> when it was a dunk, when it was like should have been a dunk. And oh, it, I was talking about like with like a gun, like you're shooting that target and you're hitting the target or at least hitting around the target. You might not be hitting bullseyes, <laughs> but you're hitting the target. And then that one shot you miss is because you shot yourself in the fucking foot. Yeah, you're right. I guess that's true. Sometimes not not all misses are created equal. I guess you're right. Not like, all. I, 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 I that, do that agree with you though, Justin. Like they did pretty good. It's just how bad that miss was, though. It's- <laughs> that, yeah, that, yeah. I guess not all misses are created equal. So you know, depending on where a miss is, it could cost you the game. Like, you know like, what, what I mean? So I guess that's oh, think true. Think about that, Justin. Like you have Steph Curry <laughs> having like an all time night, just like hitting every shot. But it's a game-winning shot, and he shoots it, and he misses the basket completely, and just hits a child in the face. <laughs> so they lost the game, and now a and child he hit has a kid in the face, a black eye. So yeah, I, I get it. Not all misses are uh, created equal, so you can't always get away on that. Well, we hit most of the shots, but I think I, I can recommend it. I'll recommend it to to people. I, it's it's a good enough film. Um, 
to be worth viewing. And I do think it was emotional enough. It's a powerful enough film. It's acted well enough to where you might even feel something after it's all said and done. You might even feel something coming out of the movie theater. So at least I can say that about it. Um, so we'll go with. I, 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 I'm near where you are, Heather. I'll go with we'll go with 81. Um, we'll go 81. Why didn't we just dub him saying the woo out of a hundred? I'm not quite as in the middle of you two as I thought I was going to be. I, I, for the most part, I do think the movie is fairly good. I, uh, the acting's very good. Like Justin said, the pacing's very good. They, they take some creative liberties here and there with some of the stuff to, you know, do some of that stuff. Uh, I have I have huge issues with one of them. For the most part, I, I agree with you, Justin. Where if you know, if you're upset because they're inaccurate, that's fair. If you're you know okay that they're inaccurate, that's fair too. Except, like I said, justice for Chris. That I I'm not really forgiving of the movie doing, just because it's a whole ass person that ties specifically into what this movie is about. You know. That's why I have issues with it is so much of that part of the story ties directly to what this movie is about. It's not like he was some ancillary character. You know what I mean? He wasn't like, you know, Kev's best friend from third grade. Oh, they didn't put him in the movie. Like It's not yeah. that he's a whole fucking brother. That fits into what this movie has, especially when Kevin Von Erich says, my most important thing that I wanted the director to do with this movie was just, you know, I love my brothers and we loved each other. And that is the most important thing I wanted this movie to do. And it succeeded at that. Yes. Except for the brother. that They fucking left out. Yeah. You know, and then the curse of the Von Eric family, you'll find out in spoilers. He fits that too. He fits the two core themes you got for this movie. Really bugs me. Like you said, the other inaccuracies are okay. You didn't want to show Fritz selling, you know, tickets to his son's funeral. I get it. Maybe that's a little too morbid for this tragic movie. You didn't want to show how complete asshole of a scumbag he was okay that's fine you know you you showed the 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 chic but technically that or you showed the iron chic but technically that was more of the chic okay who cares you left a whole ass person out (laughs) especially when they mention when they mention another brother who died so young, they, but then they mentioned even mention this guy, but they mentioned the other brother, the one that like, does yeah. that really just ties into the curse aspect. There were whole brothers that didn't even know that that brother, like never even lived with that brother. And they brought him up more times 
than someone that fits this fucking movie to a T. God, that just really kind of bugs me. But still, the movie's pretty good. Outside of, you know, just one errant as fuck hitting some four-year-old in his fucking face and breaking his little four-year-old nose shot of a Ric Flair impersonation. Like I said, I thought I was going to be in the middle of you two, and I wasn't. Justin went way higher than I thought he was going to with that 81. I'm going to give this 75. Uh, You know, it's it nice to see Zac Efron do a line dance out of 100. Uh, that brings our official Cinescore with the customary we always round up on Cineslayers to an 80. Uh, cool. Spoilers? Yeah. You. Spoilers! Might as well talk about this now. We've been just dancing around it. There is a whole other ass brother named Chris who also shot himself that wrestled, that they combined parts of his story with Mike and parts of his story with Carrie. So he's the one that broke his arm in the ring. But but Mike was the one that did end up having uh, shoulder surgery and having toxic shock. Like, that was all accurate, but the way that he got injured was slightly different, was more like what happened to Chris. And then the whole Kevin finding Carrie and carrying him, that's what happened to Chris. Because Chris shot himself in the head. And Kevin found Chris. You know, and uh, Carrie, when he shot himself, did shoot himself in the heart. It was Fritz that found him. Which I think I think they should have shown all that. Like I said, you ha- and he, and Chris is the youngest. You have the baby boy of the family who had had health problems his entire life. Was still being exploited. And forced into wrestling. Because that's all he fucking knew. That's all his dad would let him know. And would fucking killed himself because of it. Fuck, man. Like, if you're really kind of like, I I know they were, they wanted to show that Fritz was an asshole, but they never really wanted to go just scum of the earth, dredges of society, truly evil fucking person that Fritz was. They never went the truth with how terrible he was. They, they hinted at it. They skirted it. You know, they're like, Oh, he's a bad guy. That man was a fucking monster. Like bad guy is just giving him some shred of humanity that I don't think actually existed in that man's soul. That's a personal opinion, but 
I mean, for three of your sons to yes. commit suicide, you know what I'm saying? Like three out of five. Well, yeah. Well, you, you, I mean, you have, you technically have six because you also have, what's his name? The fuck. The, the young Jack, I think it was the young, the one that was uh, the, but the Jackie, child. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that he accidentally got electrocuted as as a uh when he was like 6. You know. So I, I you know I get that. So like yeah, you but when like a, a majority of your but life half. the ones that you, the ones that you essentially raised into being re, essentially adults or whatever if you count it like that, 3 out of your 5 kids killed themselves because of how like the pressure that the dad put on it all. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. that is integral to the story. Especially whatever the story is, man, we wanted to show that, you know, the brothers loved each other and that they, it was a, it was a tragic story. Tell me how Chris just also shooting himself was just too much of an inconvenience to your story. That's what pissed me off. The director was like, his story was a little too much like the other person's. You know, he killed, he shot himself like Carrie did and, you know, had the same problems as Mike did. So, you know, it was just a little too close. So we combine for, you know, creative purposes. Fuck you. Fuck you. That is. I'm a- really surprised that Kevin signed off on that too, though. God, me too. Yeah. It was probably was just convinced by a bunch of people and just, you know what, it, yeah. you know how that goes, a, a bunch of persuasive people. Oh, which makes me look, feel look, fucking dirty. We know Hollywood and, you know, they, they may not, the, the, they may not sign off on this script unless we do some chopping, you know, the, the, there's so much pressure that probably could have been put on people to, to make that omission. And it just sucks because like, I mean, okay. So it's kind of repetitive with some of the other stories of the other brothers, but still the, even if you just had him in for a little bit and then that suicide happens, there could have been a scene where the surviving brothers are talking about that. And you could have said something meaningful about suicide or why, so, you know, I was sitting there thinking about, okay, what would I have done differently where I could have had him in there? And even if you didn't have time to spend, like, developing him a lot and stuff, even if he was just there for a few scenes, you know, we do a little bit of wrestling and then he, the the accident happens and then he kills himself, right? I, I, I don't know why, but I just envisioned this scene where the rest of the brothers are talking about it. And, you know, one of them says, well, my friend at school says that he was a coward for shooting. It's like like what you could have done is had all these different perspectives come out about it. And they're all talking about it. Like my friend said that he was a coward or something like like, like he, you know, he took the 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 coward's way out or something like that. And then another one could have said, well, that well, what does he know? Like that this was 
you know, none of us really know what he was going through or how he was feeling and everything like that. Maybe we should have, maybe we could have done something. Maybe we could have, it could have played out like a real conversation that people have when this happens, because you go through a lot of denial. There's a lot of blame. There's this perspective. There's that perspective. And maybe at the end of that conversation, you get to the last brother and the last brother goes, look, I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care what anybody says. All I know is my brother is gone and I miss him. And they all could have just agreed on that end of scene. But but like you could have said something, I think, meaningful about suicide and how difficult that is and how hard that is to face just and all the questions that usually come out of something like that. And you could have done it with those actors. And I think that they would have nailed that. And and you didn't have to say anything definitive about it. Uh, You didn't have to say he, you didn't have to take any side of it. Just give all those perspectives and then come back to the, we care about our brother and he's gone and we miss him is how I think I would have tackled it. But I mean, y'all can tell me if that's problematic, but. No, and I think at the very least, they could have at least at the end of the film when they're doing the whole like ending stuff, be like, say something about Chris, literally anything, you know? I think one way you really could have added Chris to the movie whilst not really having to worry about fucking up your flow. I think that that's why it's like, oh, it's just such an inconvenience to have Chris in the movie. Like that's how to me they're acting with it. But also like, You have him in, have him as the young kid because he's the youngest, you know, have him be the young guy. And then randomly, just later in the movie, all of a sudden he's a young adult. And you see him being completely just does not need to be there. Just completely, you know, in over his head. You know, but mainly just have the characters talk about him to really kind of diminish like the dad. Just be like, oh, you know, Chris isn't, you know, he's not living up to the Von Eric name and this and that. And, you know, and then then the character dies off screen. You know, to really just add to like what you're telling the story as far as these kids and these, you know, these these children being forced into this world, you know, like, I think that they have this great line in the movie when, you know, Fritz is like, man, Carrie, I never wanted any of you guys to be wrestlers. I did it because I just wanted to put food on the table, but you know, I need you to join your brothers, be a wrestler too. No, he's fucking lying his ass off. I loved that scene in the movie because As an audience member, you knew he's lying. But you believed that Carrie believed it because Carrie wanted to believe it. And Carrie didn't want to disappoint his family. And you can't tell me having the youngest one, you know, because the last three of the four Von Erics that died, like in this, you know, of, you know, outside of childhood, all killed themselves. It wasn't like there was any like sort of anything like 
Eric died overseas, and then some years later, they started killing themselves. Like, it just, in no way, shape, or form, does that detract from the story to me. And, Justin, what you were saying that he probably got talked out of it, I probably, you know, you're probably right. And to me, that's even more ghoulish because he got fritzed by Hollywood? Yeah, of of the history he has with that stuff. like Yeah, like they just fritzed him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, we can't tell the story if we're going to do that. So, we, you know, if you want this movie to get made, you know, you got to take one of your brothers out. Like, oh, no, like, don't tell me that's not some shit his dad would have said if he was still alive about trying to make a movie if they were like, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like that just... Like I said, ghoulish behavior that Fritz would do. And if they did that to that man, you were terrible people too. Because that's the, the moral of the story. And you still did it. Oh, that makes me feel yeah. so dirty. And I'm just basing it off of some of those comments that that director said. Because on top of the whole thing of, you know, the the repetitive nature of Chris and how and his suicide and how that compares to some of the other ones. That was something that he did say later was, you know, when there's pressure to make this and when, you know, he was implied, he, it was almost like he was implying that it would have been in danger of being made if it didn't flow a certain way. So that's why I'm just sort of putting two and two together and thinking, okay, so if that's the story he's given us, then I imagine the family or who's left or whoever was on it producing and helping and stuff probably got a similar story. You yeah. Know? But also we, yeah, as much as we love movies, we know Hollywood. Like, yeah. And we know how it works. You know, they're looking at it as the character, this, the story, this, the first act, second act, third act. And sometimes they can't get out of that to just go, let's just tell the story. And unless you're somebody with a lot of clout, like, like if Martin Scorsese was like, I ain't taking Chris out. Chris would have been in that. Chris would have been in that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. But we didn't have anybody like that making this shit, making the calls. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also just the fact that the guy said, um, like, oh, it was just the story is already so sad. And then the, the you know, we didn't want them to withstand another tragedy in it. And I'm like, well, that's the whole point of what why you're telling this story in the first place, though, isn't it? Or isn't that part of why you're telling this story? What do you mean? Doesn't I, it drive home your point more? I, like, I do. I, I, I agree. I, I hate that in movies when they're like, oh, man, the, the real life story was just a little too sad. Put it in your fucking movie. Yeah. Then what's the point in telling the story? Like, if you just want to yeah. sugarcoat the story in the first place, like, I don't know. It just, that doesn't make sense to me to be like, it was just too sad to put another thing that is on theme with everything else in this movie in the movie. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost like they were telling the tragedy of the Von Ericks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was and, a wrestler. He was under the same pressure. Literally, like you said earlier, Sterling, everything lines up 
very exactly with everything else in this movie. So there was no reason to not put him in it. Yeah. It just really irks me. And, and I think that you had a chance to at least say something about the difficulty of handling a suicide when somebody dies like that, like the difficulty those brothers had. And I just think you, you had a chance with his death to say something that maybe you wouldn't have had to have touched the same way later in the film. But I think that would have been an opportunity with the surviving brothers because you had all the actors would have still well, been there. Unfortunately, at no, at that point it would have only been Carrie and Kevin when Chris kills himself. Oh, it was that late. I thought he was earlier. No, cause it's, it's Eric. Okay. My Mike, bad. Chris, then Carrie. Oh damn! Okay, yeah. well, never mind. Then maybe you wouldn't have been. But able to still, do that, that would have been a great conversation between your two fucking leads, with Carrie yeah. and Kevin. Yeah, it still would have been, you know, because that would have been like a. And I don't know. I just feel like you could have said something meaningful about suicide, not the and not giving the answer to it, but talking about the complexity of it, how it's so hard to deal with. That would have been very relatable to people, especially if you are in a family or know someone who has dealt with that. You know, that could have been a me that could have been a moment to do something meaningful. So I think it's all about how you look at something. If you're looking at it like, well, it's going to harm my pacing. Well, then, yeah, you're going to it's going to be easier for you to have the conscience to 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 not think about your conscience and remove it. But if you see it as an opportunity, I think maybe there was a, there was a way we could have had it in here and said yeah. something different that we wouldn't have said about the other deaths in the film. And then it feels different, even though, yes, it's a similar thing with somebody committing suicide or shooting themselves. The, the aftermath scene would have made it feel a lot different. But also, if you're going to sit there. And complain about pacing, like it would have ruined that. Okay, be a better writer, be a better fucking director. Like, I don't want to hear that shit. Also, then what the fuck was your river sticks coined across the river ferry to to have a brother fucking hug scene? What the fuck was that scene then? (laughs) If you're going to sit there and talk about fucking pacing and all this brotherly love and bullshit, 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 then you have that fucking scene? Yeah. Which then also adds to my fury of the Chris's that did it. Yeah. You brought back fucking Jack Jr., but you left out fucking the youngest. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing, too, is like legitimately them being like, okay, we're going to make a very strong point about this oldest brother as, you know, he would have been the oldest brother, you know we're making a whole thing about it, you know? So it's like, what I don't understand. I just don't understand why that was a, that was important enough. You know what I mean? But Chris wasn't like, it just, I don't get it. Yeah. But also I, I hated that scene. That's the scene I was talking about. Like what the fuck was this scene doing in here? (laughs) Yeah. That was an odd choice. Some random boat. Let me put a quarter down, you know, got to play, got to pay to cross the river sticks. Oh, man. Oh, the brother's here. What about Jackie? Yep, Jackie's here. What about Chris? Nah, he don't exist. 
weird fucking scene. Just a weird scene. But also weirdly highlights what you were talking about earlier, Justin, that we will forgive, you know, the brothers not or anybody in this movie not quite looking like they should. Because to me, no scene highlighted how much shorter the guy playing Carrie Von Eric is from Carrie Von Eric when he's like, oh, yeah, we're all the Von Eric sitting here. And that man is barely taller than a six year old. <laughs> Plus, I was looking at pictures of like the real people, and I feel like Carrie Von Eric was actually more the size that Kevin was in the movie. Oh, yeah. And like Jeremy Allen White in this movie, he's short, but he's also a lot thinner framed than the actual Carrie. Carrie Von Eric was a massive fucking human being. Yeah, he was pretty jacked, man. <laughs> Just even height wise, like like you yeah, you brought up a good too. point there, Heather. Zach Efron in this movie was this was closer to the size, you know. But then also yeah. they but they gave what's his name. The Carrie hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's Which true. I will yeah. give him this. When you isolate him, when he's not surrounded by, you know, every other human being in this movie that's massively taller than him, he does look like Carrie. Yeah, you know, he's he very probably was ripped, the most got the yeah. hair. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's got it, got the attitude, you know, he he's got it. He probably looks the most like his character. Actually, no, I think David actually looked most like his character, but otherwise, yeah. yeah. You know, but then like, but it's one of the scenes, like it just, it weirdly, it weirdly threw me off, especially like, I wouldn't have hated, I don't know. It's just one scene I really dug and then I'll I'll, I'll move on because I need to let you guys go. That scene when they're watching Carrie fight Ric Flair and you see the ghost of uh I've said his David. name yeah uh the ghost of david on the stairs and then it cuts to the the magic cuts back and it's gone like that's such a that that's a great scene that's a great metaphor yeah. of the, the the ghost of of david like over the family over the match over everything like you know like that's that's a fucking great scene And then this motherfucker wants to complain about the pacing and being inconvenienced by the whole fucking human being. Ugh. I actually feel like they should have done that, incorporated that. They should have done that more. Each kid, after they they pass, do it with each of them in some way. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe they did, but maybe that was the only one that was more upfront or more out in the open, I should say. You know, like, because I, I agree. That'd be, like, great if there's a scene, like, you know that scene at the, towards the end of the movie when Kevin's, like, watching his, his, his son's play? And he's like, oh, I used to be a brother, and now I'm not, and all this other yeah. shit. It'd be really kind of great if, like, out of focus in the background were his brothers. Yeah, the, the, that would have been really ghost, cool, actually. You know, haunting the situation. You know what I mean? Like, the the weight of their ghosts on his soul. And then when his sons are like, we'll be your brother's dad. Then when it like pans back a little bit, they're gone now. You know what I mean? Like. That would have been really a yeah. cool thing to do. It takes way less time than having to film that other, that scene right before it with the, 
You wouldn't have had to rent a boat. You wouldn't have had to spend any of that money. Yeah, you wouldn't have had to hire a whole child. <laughs> you wouldn't have had to hire some whole ass child actor for a scene. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Justin, what are your uh, spoilery thoughts? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I guess just to go kind of um, back to like the beginning of the film, I think that what. Um, I really like the look of, yeah, the film, especially, um, d- during some of the wrestling aspects of it. I love the old black and white footage when they were showing kind of Fritz first wrestling and becoming a, a popular wrestler and everything. I thought all of that was very effective and you saw immediately, that there was this thing. And and the thing is, is that I think a lot of families are guilty of this, where you will have these parents who didn't fulfill something. And then it's like, they put pressure on their kids to kind of do these things that they weren't able to do or fulfill these things that, um, that they want for the kids, but the kid, and sometimes, a, you know, a child can spend their whole lives trying to live up to that. And really they shouldn't have had to in the first place. They should have been trying to find themselves and figure out like where they fit in the world. So him doing this is not something that, is like only isolated to him. I feel like a lot of parents, a lot of fathers do this, but I like how this didn't stray away from showing his influence on them. Sorry. Um, So I, I like that. I like how they started with Fritz and kind of this thing that was hanging over his head and then how that trickled down into what he had his sons doing. And so in a way, even though Iron Claw is the Von Eric hole, you know, the, the, the move that he would put on somebody's head. And the whole idea is that it's like squeezing, you know, he's got this grip on you, on your face and you can't break it. You can't escape it. And what I think is the the best thing about the movie is that that whole thing, I feel like the Iron Claw had a double meaning. Yes, that's the signature move of the Von Erics, but the Iron Claw was kind of this curse on Kevin and and what he thought about it and the family. And in a way, that was the Iron Claw, this thing that he felt like was weighing on him and he couldn't escape it. And it just had a grip on the family and he couldn't escape it. Oh, yeah. That's and th- that's a beautiful point, Justin. Like how yeah, it fits like, with it all. It's like all of them were being squeezed and pressure and, you know, it was synonymous with them. But it also was that overarching, all-consuming trap they were into. Yes, and that's what it felt like. It felt inescapable. 
So what I think Zac Efron did effectively was, uh, and, and how he sort of portrayed um, Kevin in this, was Kevin is constantly feels like this is looming over his head and he's constantly going, oh man, I don't want, I, I, you know, I, let me name my kids a different name because I don't know if I can, you know, I don't know this, this old curse thing. And I like how Kevin was always fearful and mindful of it because it felt like it really was something looming over him. So I like all of that. I like the fear that he had. I like that because you would imagine after seeing all of this, how could you not believe something like that with so many family members dropping left and right and stuff like that. And you know, this is what the seventies and the eighties and stuff like that. So we don't know. So of course we, we know so much now about mental health and, uh, and understanding your own individuality and, you know, and, and being, and sometimes, and now, you know, we're a little more educated on being able to separate the world's pressures from what you want for yourself and things like that. You know, we're a lot more educated about that stuff now and child development now than people were in the eighties. So this, so when you look at this story, it's also tragic because of that, you know, I don't think they had, they had these, this family had the know-how to even escape this because at that time you just did what your father told you. You just did what your parents told you. You went to church like they went to church. You, whatever they said was the gospel. And then you had friends who never captured that NWA championship. And he was like, man, I want that belt in the family and this, that, and the, you know, you guys have a chance to bring that to the family. And he put all this pressure on them to do that. So, so in a weird way, it was like he was using them to, 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 to fulfill an accomplishment that he was never able to accomplish that always seemed to evade him. But then on, on top of that, he was making money off of them and he was, you know, um, spiking the, 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 the books and there was money fraud and all of this other stuff, which they sort of hinted at towards the end of the movie, but really didn't get into all the money fraud that, that, that was a part of this as well with, um, Fritz running the promotion. So there was a lot going on with Fritz, but I at least like how in this, you saw kind of the, control and the pressure that all of these brothers were putting on themselves. And you saw that he was the source of that. I, I'm at least glad that the movie didn't make him innocent of that. Cause then I would have just been angry if it didn't at least touch on his influence and his impact on them and why they chose this life path and how they felt like they just couldn't, and the constant pressure to live up to what their their father wanted them to be. So I think that that was important to be in this, and I'm glad that that was a, that that was there. Uh, however, I do like the fact too that the movie um, 
tried to focus more on the brothers and their relationships to each other. Um, I'm glad that that was a big portion of this movie too, because I don't think you really could have a movie that was just all based on the doom and gloom and the sort of mentally abusive father and, and, and just the wrestling aspect of it. I think that the brotherly relationship really holds this movie together. It was those conversations. It was those interactions that they had with each other. It was the in-between times of the wrestling where we're just getting to see them be brothers. And um, I remember when one of the brothers had like a little concert, he was in a band or something and they all went out to, they all snuck out of the house to support him. I liked that scene. I liked that it was showing kind of how, how close the brothers were and everything like that. Because I do think in the, in the documentaries and all of the real stories about the Von Erics, that is often lost in all of this. You know, I think that it's so easy when you're watching these dark side of the rings and documentaries and stuff, you get so focused on the tragedies and the deaths and what Fritz was doing and what Ric Flair was doing and what Iceman King Parsons and all of that stuff was doing and what this wrestler has to say about his the the free birds and the versus the Von Erics, you get so caught up into that stuff, you don't get to hear a lot about well, what were the brothers like together? What was their relationship like? Did they even like each other? Or were they competitive with each other? So one thing I really appreciated about this movie was seeing that side because that's not a side that I normally see when talking about the Von Erics. You know, I'm used to just seeing ring stuff and rivalries and, oh, all the girls wanted them. And uh, man, Fritz was doing a whole lot of stuff. You know, that's what I'm used to hearing about. So that was refreshing to me to see that brotherly relationship have some spotlight. I think that that was very important for this movie. That's a very good point, Justin. Like, and I think that that is something that kind of gets lost in all of it. There's something that does get lost in the tragedy and everything of it is just the, they were a family. They were brothers. They, you know, they, they did not wrestle every second of every day. Like, yeah, they were not just wrestling and dying. There is other aspects of these people's lives. And, and sometimes doesn't it feel like that? Dude, don't you just feel watched, like with every story you get, it's like they wrestled and they have these great rivalries and look at all these great people that, that they went up in the ring against. And you know, their father was Fritz and they had the rivalry with the Freebirds, And then they all just started dying. That's what it feels like. Dude, sometimes. I watched the dark side of the ring today. I rewatched it today. 45 minutes long, dude. They cruise through that shit and don't even mention that Carrie lost his fucking foot until like minute 38. You know what I mean? They they go through the whole thing and then they go, oh, yeah, by the way, Carrie lost his foot. You yeah. Know? And but yeah, dude, they're just cruising through a, a quick 43 minutes going, man, 
this brother died in, when he was a child and then this brother died and this brother died and then they wrestled and there was this brother died and some wrestling again and this brother died and then some more wrestling. Then Fritz died after the, the wife left him. Yeah. That's the Von Eriks. Yep, yep, Von Eriks. All right. Stay tuned for our next episode when we cover, you know, the ultimate warrior, whatever it is. Like, that, that that's how it feels a lot of times with this. So I also think that's a part of it too. Like if, if you just sat through this movie and you glossed over all that, that they were trying to say about the brotherly relationship and the fact that they um, loved each other and stuff like that. If you just overlook that and you're too busy looking for all the facts to be right and all of that stuff, I feel like you missed the point, you know? I, I, I feel like you, you have to appreciate that aspect of it too. Um, however, in saying that, I can't ignore the fact that it, 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 that's why it sucks even more that Chris is not in it because then he could have been, we could have saw some loving on him and how the brothers loved him too. So, it, it that that's another reason why it's unfortunate he's missing. And that's the thing with me, like I, that I want to be understood. I'm not upset. He's missing because I want the facts to be straight. I, I just, I understand what the movie was trying to do. And it just feels weird that if it's a, if it's, if the crux of this is brotherly love to not have a brother in it, just feel, it feels like, Oh man, I can't yeah. like, fully appreciate this the way I want to, even though I did appreciate what they were trying to do with the brotherly relationship. Yeah. Um, like I said, okay, like, go ahead. my big issue is that like thematically Chris fits every fucking thing this movie did thematically. And they went, nah, uninteresting. Or, you know what I mean? Or like, ah, too similar too like he fits your movie to a fucking T. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like, but, but just to comment on the wrestling stuff. And I know that Chavo Guerrero was a big part of, uh, he was an executive, one of the uh, producers on this. And he also helped with some of the wrestling scenes and different things like that. And, and from what I could see, yeah. And was the Sheik. And so from what I could see from everything, man, they did a great job with the wrestling stuff. It, it it never overstayed its welcome to where it became more about that than the Von Eric story, which I appreciated. But when there was wrestling, like as far as wrestling action, I I thought that it was captured well. The place where they were looked like the sportatorium. So they did a good job recreating what I've seen in some of those old videos and everything. And it was good that they hired some indie wrestlers and people like MJF and stuff and Chavo and stuff, because you could really tell that there were experts in there that knew what they were doing and were able to direct the actors who were in there um, doing wrestling because nobody felt like it never felt like, Oh, this is an actor trying to do wrestling. And I think that that's an achievement for the, for the film in and of itself. I never, there were never those moments where I was like, okay, 
This is a wrestler would never do that. Uh, a guy would never run that way. A guy would never. And I don't know, maybe if I looked at him more, maybe I could have found something. Maybe if I was really, really looking for it. But like, I don't remember seeing anything where I was like, okay, that is clearly two actors that don't know what they're doing. And they are, they are acting like they arrest, uh, they are mimicking something that they just saw. <laughs> a few times to prepare for the first shooting. It never felt like that. Like, you, you know, so I think that that was good too. I felt like they really tried to really capture the essence of uh, wrestling at that time. And the Von Erics at that time. So that, that was cool. That, that was cool. And so by the time we get to the end of this film, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. I love that scene with Kevin and his kids for a lot of reasons. So that line about him telling them, you know, I'm sad because I used, I used to be a brother and I'm not anymore. And then they're like, you know, we could be your brother's dad. Yeah. That was very cute that the kids said that. And then at the end he's playing with his kids, all of that is cute, but I really like what that also meant. Like for everything too, because it felt like, in that moment, in that scene, the iron claw that was this curse, the iron claw that was this thing that was looming over him, the ghost that you talked about, Sterling, you kind of felt like in that moment it was lifted up because you had a father expressing himself to his children and being honest with them about how he felt and communicated with them and was not dishonest with them and told them the truth. That broke it right there. If you ask me, you know, now, you know, I don't know how his relationship really is with his kids, but, but, but Kevin in every interview you see and the stuff you see about him seems like a pretty good guy. You know what I mean? It seems like, you know, he, he has a good head on his show that he's well aware of this. And, but you know, you feel like, he has turned the corner with his life. Um, but I really love that. I love that at the end, we had a father who was starting a different trend with his kids than the way he had grown up and been taught and everything like that. And I just loved in that moment that he was honest with them. And then, you know, they're like, well, we'll be your brother's dad. You know, we're here for you now. And then him going and playing with his kids. I loved all of that. Thought that it was great. Uh, not just the scene, but the meaning that it had with the Iron Claw and this curse and everything like that. His actions are what's going to break this thing. Not repeating the sins of the father is what's going to break this thing. So I thought that that was just in a few short minutes, him making the decision to, to connect in that way with the kids is how you break that tradition like that. So really, really loved how this movie wrapped up at the end. And, and despite all of the suicides and all of the death that we saw throughout this, I thought it ended in a very kind of uplifting, meaningful way with that. Um, so, yeah, I was very happy with how it ended 
that scene in particular for Kevin and his journey? Heather, what about you? Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing too that I do want to mention because, I mean, there's just no doubt that their father, Fritz, was just awful, but their mom was pretty infuriating as well. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, yeah. If she's actually portrayed accurately in any sort of capacity as she was in this film, like, she's so frustrating with just, like how she was just in the grip of, I think Fritz too, because just very much like, Oh no, no, no. Like that's what your brothers are for. Go talk to your brothers. If you want to talk to them about something like just trying to avoid any sort of actual like confrontation that she might have to have with her husband or something because of what her sons have to say. And that was so sad you know, but also infuriating because it's just like, you know, and even just just giving all these like basic, basic like advice, you know, like with uh, when Mike was at the table and he was talking about being scared. It's just like nothing to be scared of because God's with you or whatever she said about that. And you're just like, he's in a lot of pain and he's been through a whole lot like be less dismissive of this at the moment, please. Like it was so frustrating. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but I just wanted to mention that too, because it feels like they're not even giving their kids a chance to be successful with just their terrible parenting all around, you know, like it, it's just, it was so frustrating to me, but also just like the, the idea too, or just, Something that I think they did do well here. Yes, the brotherly love aspect of it, I think, was done really well because that I mean, it felt like very genuine moments with these brothers. They felt like actual brothers, like it was a real family dynamic. And I think they did that really well. But also just the the air around them that you feel that their fathers put on them where like because their entire life their entire life, the only thing they've known is um, just this pressure from their dad. And like, you got to be the best. You got to be great. You got to train your, even though I, I think you're right, Sterling, that scene when he's like, oh, I never wanted you guys to have to do this or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. No, not all of them just using their entire lives to train for this moment, but whatever guy, like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's upsetting because you also see like how each and every one of them is just hanging on every word from their dad. You know, they just, all they want is his approval. Like even when you see Carrie and Kevin in the ring sort of practicing together and Kevin's trying to be like, listen, it's too soon. Take it slower. You're still recovering. And he's like, Oh, you just want to be the only one there. Cause you want, you want dad to like you the best or whatever it was he said. You know, just that whole thing or just like and just how he just had them wrapped around his finger in every capacity. I mean, even thinking about at the funeral of David when they're just like, nobody cry. We're not going to cry or anything like that. And you're just like, OK, like they they just listen. They just listen to everything that he says. And that's all they've ever known. And well, it's specifically with that, if I'm remembering correctly, that was one of the ones, like I said, he sold tickets 
oh, to yeah, like to go the... look at the body or something like that. Like I know one one of his sons, he took pictures and was selling pictures yeah. of the dead body of the body in mm-hmm. the the casket and shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Man. One of these he did he did sell tickets to like go view the body for people. Like, mm-hmm. m- just. Horrendous, monstrous shit. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just like, it it just, it's just frustrating too because you just, because at first I was also like, I was thinking about how when we first hear about David's death and you see, you know, the dad's telling Kevin about it and his reaction to it was shock and sadness. But he he wasn't just like so distraught that he started breaking down crying. And I was like as close as he was too, because we get that really sweet moment of the two of them at Kevin's wedding, like right before that happens. And you feel like he would be destroyed. He would be devastated by this. Like, what is this? But then you kind of realize it's like, oh no, it's because their father has been their influence their entire lives. And you don't cry. You don't show weakness because you're a man and that just doesn't happen, which is also reflected in Kevin at the end of the movie with his kids where he's like, I'm sorry that I'm crying. You shouldn't see me like this. This is not how, how it should be. You know what I mean? And then the, his, his son's telling him like, that's fine. Cry if you want to cry. And I think they said, you cry all the time. I think that's what they, what they said to him. Like they said, we cry all the time. Oh, they said, we cry all the time. I thought they said you cry all the time. But okay, yeah, he said we cry all the time, like just it, again, that whole idea of breaking that cycle of of what they were taught as little boys and that, you know, stupid stigma that gets put on like, no, men shouldn't cry and men shouldn't show weakness, because if, if you show that you're sad or crying or whatever, that means you're weak. And just that entire toxic mentality that was put on them just he's trying so hard to not be that guy for his kids, but it's so ingrained in him that he's still naturally doing it, you know, where he's just like, I'm sorry guys, you shouldn't see me cry. And you know, it's just, and you feel like that's why like none of them knew how to properly emote anything (laughs) because they were taught not to. And that's also really sad because even the dad, like, or the mom, even the mom, like none of them were properly emoting because they were just like, we've got to keep it together. We've got people watching us and, you know, we, we are strong people. And you're just like, but you also just lost your son and then you lost another one. And then you lost another one. Like, why, why would you think you shouldn't be like that? You know? And like, that was just really heartbreaking because you're just kind of like, these brothers don't even have a proper outlet to even feel what they feel and that sucks you know like even with each other they couldn't even feel like what they wanted to feel with each other because they were all in the same mentality of like no no no. even if I feel this way I can't show it because you know we just don't do that and so yeah and and that's why I do think that those moments of showing how much the brothers loved each other through that even was so good and so important to show and you see a lot of that too in um, and, and even like, I really liked the, the scene where they have Kevin's wedding and you see all of them dancing together, but you also just see David and Kevin having that moment in the bathroom where they're talking and they're just being brothers. 
Like you almost feel like that's the only private moment they've probably ever gotten in their lives where it's just the two of them and nobody else around. And they're just being a little bit more vulnerable with each other than they normally would be. And I thought that was great. I thought that was such a a great scene. And man, I kind of wish David was in this movie more. I loved David's character. He was so great. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just really tragic to just think about just the fact like that this was a real family and this was really how they had to grow up. (laughs) And it's just so devastating and heartbreaking to see it happen. And I mean, even just like the absolute delusion of the dad too, where for one, you see him saying stuff like, Oh, I never really wanted you to have to wrestle. But also at the almost towards the end of the movie, when Kevin's older and his kids are older and he's trying to tell him about, you know, he's seeing the numbers and stuff like that. And the dad's just like, you know, oh, you still can't take care of yourself and really just making every excuse to not put blame on himself for doing anything wrong ever. And that's like. It's a it's a wonder that Kevin even grew up to have a family that lasted, honestly, just thinking about the effects of everything else that he's been through and the way he was raised. So, yeah. Um, but I do think, um, I mean, aside from that, I do agree about that random River Sticks moment in the movie. <laughs> like... I get the sentiment of it and it was actually a really sweet moment to just kind of see the brothers you united again and stuff like that. But I mean, it just, it didn't really fit with anything else happening, you know, because it also shifted perspective for just that one scene to Carrie and not from Kevin's perspective, you know? And so you're just kind of like, well, this kind of feels a little out of nowhere. Or even if they were doing it, like there was a scene, I think right before it, where you hear Kevin doing like the narration in the movie again, like have that narration happening over this scene or something. You know, I feel like that might've been a better way to do the effectiveness of what they were trying to do with that moment of like, you know, him narrating, talking about his brothers and all of that. And then we're visually seeing this river six thing happen, you know, but even more to the point, the whole idea of the brothers being the ghosts at the end of the movie when Kevin's talking about how he doesn't have brothers anymore would be even better, you know? Like, that's an even better way to do that and make it effective. And I will say that that moment at the end, too, with, um, you know, when he is sitting down and he has a little bit of a breakdown and he actually says, like, I used to be brother and I'm not anymore, that was actually a very heartbreaking moment. <laughs> I was really sad. That one almost got me. So, yeah, I, I think that Efron did great in that moment. So, I, I mean, I just I thought that was a really effective scene, especially the timing of how they do it in the movie was really well done. But and the and the one thing I was saying at the beginning that I was going to ask you about, Jastin, is. There, the scene whenever Kevin is going on that first date with his wife, Pam, I think her name was Pam, um, you know, and then she's asking him like, well, isn't it all fake anyway? And he goes on that whole speech of like what it actually actually means. And it's like, well, if you're good at your job, you get a promotion and all this stuff. I actually think that he explained that really well 
as far as like how it works. And I just had never really heard it quite said in that way before. And I thought it was a really good explanation for it. So I was just going to kind of ask you what you thought about how he explained that. No, I like how that was kind of in there. And I think that that was a nod to like wrestler people, you know, the person asking, is it all fake? And then you kind of having to explain that like, and and kind of trying to get them to understand how it's, how there are real aspects to it too. So I, I like what he did. I like how he explained it. And he's talked about like the, 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 the getting the promotion and things like that, because yeah. I, and, and when he said that, I, 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 I was listening to that and going, yep, that sounds about how I could imagine some wrestler explaining that. And that's a conversation I've had to, talk to people and kind of explain myself, Um, you know, a little easier to happen now because people, most people kind of know what wrestling is. So, but every now and then, you know, you get somebody with that question and you, you try to be as delicate as you can with the explanation, but you also want them to understand and sometimes yeah. wrestling is very hard to understand unless you do it. It's it's one of those things where there are certain things that are hard to put in words unless you're just doing. There are a lot of aspects of wrestling that don't really make sense. Like even when explained, it kind of doesn't. You almost just have to be a fan or have to be doing it to understand. There's just a lot of weird aspects of wrestling. Like, like why does an Irish whip cause a person to run off ropes. And you, you know, like there are just things that are really just a, a part of it that you almost can't just explain with words. But, and so sometimes that's, and I said all that to mean that sometimes it's very difficult to explain to a non wrestler person, or especially a person who's not a fan who doesn't understand it? Just somebody asking a question, just curious about your life, you know? That could be a very hard conversation to have. But no, I thought that he worded that well and he worded it in a way to where somebody not in that world and not a fan of that world could understand yeah. it. And that yeah. can be very difficult to do. Right. And I do think it's funny about that scene too is that wasn't really a conversation people were having like in the eighties. Jay Fabe yeah. was still very much alive back then. Like, yes, it was. You know, what was Jay Fabe? So like the whole idea of what wrestling is like was still intact. Like mm. as far as her just being a wrestling fan, she'd have been like, Oh man, I saw you beat up that guy. It was great. And he would have been like, yep, <laughs> I beat that man up. Yeah. Like there was like, I've heard stories about, some wrestlers back back in the day, especially back then, were like so into kayfabe that like they were lying to their fucking wives and their family. You know, like you know, if you were Vince McMahon's dentist, they might not they might know you're not a dentist, but you know, you wouldn't tell your family like if you knew you were winning a title and all this shit, you weren't telling anybody. You know, like you were lying to your family too. 
Yeah, so. which is a crazy concept to think about, but I guess that's a thing. <laughs> you know? That was but, very much the yeah. type of conversation that, that people have now with wrestlers more mm-hmm. than you were in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. 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 And I think that it's good that you said that, Sterling, because yeah, that that was something I I didn't even make that connection till you said it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Back then, more than likely, especially a person who he's first dating, he probably would have just said, Oh no, it's a hundred percent real. I heard every yeah. day we we feel those punches. You you're right. He probably would have been more inclined to give her the kayfabe answer than the answer that he gave. Like you said, that was definitely more of a modernized wrestling mm. conversation more so than the, than how that conversation might've actually went at that time, because you're right at that yeah. time, they weren't trying to tell you anything about it. You <laughs> believed it was, you know, that they they talked and acted like every single aspect of it was real. The real deal. Yeah. I mean, and maybe that also is supposed to play a little bit into the character of Kevin and how he's just this endearing character that he is in this very like he wants to be an honest, good guy kind of person. So maybe it was also trying to play on that aspect of who Kevin was, you know. Yeah, and maybe just for this audience watching it now, if he had been like, it's all real, baby, I just think people in the audience would have been like, come on, man. You know right. what I mean? They may not have gotten that that he was kayfabing. You know what I mean? Like, people like people in the audience, like, imagine, Heather, if you're sitting there, and she was like, so is it fake? And he went, it's all real, baby, or something like that. Do you think you would have been like, why did he say that? Like you, yeah. <laughs> you well, know? <laughs> see, but I think it would have been interesting if he did that, and then later in the movie, they're having a conversation. She's like, you remember on our first date when you told me all this shit was real? And he's like, yeah, I had to keep that cake, babe, baby. Yeah, he could have dropped it then. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. know, after they'd been married for like 20 years, be like, man, I had to keep that kayfabe, baby. Yeah. I just like, I like I don't your know. version of Kevin Von Eric, Justin. Just, that's all real, baby. <laughs> <laughs> know, real just, smooth talker, that one. Suave, Ke- you know, Kevin Von Eric. Kevin is not that smooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that Kevin, that that Kevin Von Eric would have just been all over the mic. Oh, which is probably real, just normal baby. Zac Efron, but yeah. yeah. It's all real, baby. <laughs> yeah, like Zac Efron himself probably would have been able to get away with something like that. But oh, yeah, man. I think like, but I mean, that actual entire scene of their first date, I really liked that scene because I feel like that's what really set the tone for what was coming in this movie. Because if you think about this movie or like you hadn't seen the trailer for this movie or knew nothing about this story... And you're just going into it thinking like, oh, it's a story about a family that wrestles like that scene is what's going to tell you like what you're about to be in for. And I think that they set it up really well, talking about the family curse and talking about the wrestling aspect of it and his mindset how or his perceived mindset where he's like, oh, I don't believe in that and all these things. And like all of that was set up so well just in that one scene. And I think that they did that really well. And that was probably one of my favorite scenes because 
you do kind of feel this very like haunting vibe a little bit from it because he's just so sure that, you know, nothing's going to happen and, you know, talking about this curse and everything. And, um, you know, just, and, and even, even then too, when he's telling, uh, Pam about his oldest brother who had already died and he's just being so matter of fact about it, not showing emotion about it. And then she comes over and she gives him a hug and he, that has to probably have been the very first time anybody's ever shown him that kind of affection for something like that happening in his family. And so what that probably meant to him as well, you know, it just everything that they did to set up that scene, I thought was really, really good. And they were good together in the scene. Like the, the, the him and Pam, you felt like you liked Pam and that that was going to work. It didn't just feel like a groupie date. Or something like that. Where, right. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be some, this is just some woman of many. And this is just a forgettable time I'm out. Maybe then he would have been like, Kayfabe, it's all baby. real, baby. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. all real, baby. He would have done that to the groupie. But that you felt like he liked her and I liked Pam. I was like, I like her. I like how she's just, you know, she seems like a straight shooter, that Pam. You know what I mean? So maybe that's why when he didn't give her the kayfabe answer, it didn't bring up any red flags because because maybe it felt like he kind of trusted her. You know, he was okay. He liked her. So he kind of felt like uh, maybe this is something that could really work. So he was okay, kind of opening up to that person and as the relationship develops, she is probably one of the more, one of the only people he was a little more open with about stuff, you know? So. Yeah. Cause she mm-hmm. definitely was not like his parents or his family, right. or you could definitely see that because they had those kind of scenes where Pam would be around the, them and you could mm-hmm. tell she was kind of different. So I liked all that too, you know, all those and all of those subtle things. It wasn't like the script was telling me or a narrator though. That, that is just the actors yeah. doing subtle things and you picking up on all of those. Little she things was they so were doing. like, yeah, she was a hundred percent just so supportive of Kevin and you could see yeah. like she was in his corner, no matter what, even like on the phone after whatever happened with Mike first happened. And she's like, if you want to blame anybody, you blame your dad for this. Like, just really trying to be the voice of reason for him because he didn't have that from anybody else. That was like legit voice of reason. And they did that set up for it really well. And also just seeing that complete like jarring difference between how Kevin is with his family versus how his dad was with their family. And he's such a present father and such a present husband and very much like, wants to be around his family and you know you don't feel like he's forcing them into any sort of lifestyle just for the sake of it and all of these things and and I thought that was really a sweet thing to do because you you see those moments of just them being a family together and it's really cute and you feel like they're really happy because they're not continuing this path that that Kevin's family grew up with you know So that's, I mean, that's something that I just really appreciated as well, especially towards the end of the movie that they show that, but yeah. Um, 
other than that, like I agree with you guys about the other aspects of it. And yeah, justice for Chris, a hundred percent. Like that's just always going to be a thing for this movie now. And yeah, it's, it's just really unfortunate because there's just no reason to not have had him in it for, for whatever reason they decided like, it's like, yeah, there, there's just, there's no good excuse for it. And yeah, but otherwise, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed hearing more about the story, seeing more about the story and just the performances and the thoughtfulness of the performances that they do in it. Yeah. I mean, they spent like eight minutes on a terrible Ric Flair and they can't give it, can't give a Chris. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely just going to be kind of like the dark cloud that looms over this. Like it, like we all said, we all said it's a good movie. It's a good film, but it's just like, man, that thing, that right there is just going to be that kind of unforgivable thing. Oh, where yeah. There's really no way to argue it. It's just like, well, yeah, yeah like that, they messed up with that. That article that I was reading, they said something along the lines of like, this movie is probably a nine out of 10 and it's not a 9.5 because of Ric Flair. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's fair. I mean, in all honesty, if they had, if that wasn't such a distracting thing, it'd probably be an 85. <laughs> it's, it's so jarring. And then, like I said, you leave out a whole Chris, like, to me, like, those are the things that, like, yeah, it drops it down for me. Like, it's it's just those weird, weird decisions to me that just, I feel like they, they're they a detriment more than, the, like I said, I don't feel like the story was just so much better paced because Chris isn't in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, it, I hate the excuse. Yeah. It wouldn't have even added that much more to just have him wholly incorporated into the movie. You just acknowledge the man, you know, like, you know, just at it to me, like I said, it in no way, shape or form detracts from the story because of what this movie was meant to be, was supposed to be. All it does is add to it. Yeah. You know, like it just uh, rubs me the wrong way. And this would, like I said, just would have been a better movie for it. Yeah. You guys got any more thoughts about this here? The Iron Claw. Nope. No. Oh, uh, then there was one little, one little last thing um, that I think just something that I think I felt like was missing from this. I don't think they ever really captured just how insanely popular the Von Erics were. It, it, it felt like, like, because everything I've read and remember seeing it is like, they were practically like gods. It, it was like having, I don't know what's a four Elvises or in Memphis or something like that. You know, it was like having, you know what I mean? Like they were like these big, huge celebrities. And so whenever they were in public, you never got the sense 
Like there weren't always people coming up. There wasn't always people swarming them. They were never making decisions because, well, remember when we tried to go to that burger place, man, we couldn't even get in there, all the people. So why don't we just go over here this time or I'll have Pam go for us or something like that. You know, you never got a sense that they were just these super like insanely popular people. They couldn't go anywhere because they were so big and well-known and stuff like that. And so, and I think a part of it is that they were country boys, you know, they were country people. So they liked being a little bit of the seclusion and being away from all that and stuff like that. But I felt like there were just never those moments outside of the wrestling where you felt like, oh man, they don't ever have any peace. Anytime they're in public, somebody is approaching them or trying to get and You never felt that mm. in the film. I wonder and if I that felt might like al- you should have. Yeah, I wonder if that also might be because of kind of like how Sterling was saying this is sort of from Kevin's perspective. And like maybe he didn't feel that way about their fame or he didn't feel, you know what I mean? Like I wonder if maybe well, that's part of it. Also, if you hate the fame, maybe you just don't want to remember it. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fair too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It could be all those things or maybe they or it could also been that Fritz had them training all the time and you need to focus on this. You need to focus on maybe like an effort was made to keep that from them a little bit as well. Well, maybe. Yeah. Because why would he want them to think that they didn't need him? Exactly. So if they start thinking too much that they're their own commodities, then maybe he would have had trouble. So maybe there what maybe there he was actively working to keep them kind of in this bubble. You know, you train, you work, you wrestle here, you go to these places where I tell you, you know, keeping them kind of, you know, I'm manipulating the money. So maybe that was an aspect of it too. So good point. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> and to be fair, that could be also why they didn't really touch on the whole like him selling tickets and selling photos and all that other stuff for the funerals is because like maybe that's not something Kevin knew was happening at the time. That's true. Yeah. You know, because it adds to the whole idea of like Kevin realizing later in his life that his dad had been stealing from him and exploiting them the whole time. And it would, it would imply also Justin, like, you know, you were talking about like, they didn't, might not have realized how famous they were outside of wrestling. It's like specifically, you know, because they knew at shows they were a big deal. But like, if you're not allowed to go out in public when you're not, you know, wrestling because, you know, because of your dad, like, are you really going to realize how big you are? And, you know, yeah. how much he's exploiting you? Like, man, I'm making like, you know. 20 bucks a show and my dad's making fucking four grand a show off of me. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys got any more thoughts about this here movie though? Nope. Nope. On that note, uh, we are going to end up splitting this. I know I said at the beginning, we were going to do Godzilla on this one. We went very long. So we are going to split Godzilla off. So I'm going to end this episode. Uh, so thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema Slayers uh, podcast on Facebook. 
at uh, cinema underscore slayers on threads and Instagram at cinema slayers pod on TikTok and YouTube. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love Zach Efron. And Jacuzzi, Jack, Jacuzzi Jack Allen Efron. White. Yeah, Jeremy Allen White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Jacuzzi Allen White. Yes, for sure. What'd you say, Justin? Jacked Efron. Jacked Efron, yeah. True. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos, logos respectively. Uh, remember... Here at the Cinema Slayers Podcast, we are pro-slut, pro-Sydney, and pro-naked. You are Knuff. And justice for fucking Chris. Yeah. Cool. And as I always in these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and this podcast, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the Best Picture winner. Also pro Boki. Nobody knows anything but you. Of course. And pro Frosty. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Come on. Cinema. Did you say pro Frosties from Wendy's? I agree. Those are a very good delectable treat. Fuck your snowman. He had a pipe in his mouth. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, Justin, you want kids to know that they should smoke? Really, Justin, you want to promote smoking to children? Well, if it can relieve stress. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Remember, kids, Justin says you should smoke. Is that no, why? Do I need no. to add that to our tags? <laughs> no, no, no. They can vape, right? No. <laughs> they can't. No, Justin. That's why I put on our YouTube videos. These are not for children. Oh, because my ass curses and vapes. They don't have like, no, I don't know. No, Justin, they don't. No, they don't. Okay. This is not like when we were kids where we had candy cigarettes. <laughs> they don't have the candy same. vapes. I thought it was kind of like no. that. No, Justin. They just don't have like like little ones where they can just be like no, and that's it. No, they don't have that shit, Justin. <laughs> just a little Justin, kitty. Bait, you a just stop kitty it. Bee. You stop it right now. Okay. You are gonna get us just in all kinds of trouble if you keep up with that <laughs> shit. Okay, we're gonna end up on the news for the wrong reasons. <laughs> the local Chicago podcast was talking about kids vaping. <laughs> And how they should hey, make just, and how they should make kid vapes. I don't know the vapes. I was just asking. Jasmine, you know damn well they are making no kid vapes. You know damn well. Do not act like that, Justin. <laughs> do not. I don't you know, know about damn this, well they ain't doing. I don't that. know about that world stuff. I don't know about the planet of the Justin. vapes. That's Justin, why I'm asking you. You do. That's why you I'm do asking know, you. You know damn well that's not a thing. You know damn well that's not a thing. I don't know about the thing. I don't know about acting like that. You quit acting like that, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I don't know about it. You do. 
I don't know about you know the damn well there's no kid. <laughs> I don't babes. know about <laughs> the dawn of the planet of the vapes. I don't know about do. the vapes. You I don't do. know the history of it. I don't know who they're for. Justin, yes, yes you do. You know <laughs> there is nothing tobacco or nicotine related shit they're doing. Like most states are even making it to where you have to be 21 to do this shit. Don't even <laughs> no. act like that. Don't. You son of a bitch. What is it that the, the FDA is going to come shut down our podcast because of you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We ain't going to be able to talk about movies because the FDA is going to shut us down because Justin's all buy your official Cinema Slayers kid vapes and all that shit you're fucking spewing over there. <laughs> you just stop it. Okay, I'll lay off the kid V's, my bad. All right, I'm out.